I doubt if there is any problem, social, political, or economic, that would not melt away before the fire of such a spiritual undertaking. We're talking about Zeus House? Robin uh, oh, Robinette, Joe Biden. It was in only referred to him as Robinette on this podcast. Like, I, I typically like refer to new him. rule. <laughs> um, but yeah, just was in DC, went by the White House. A lot of Secret Service guys out and about. The funniest thing I saw though was there was a guy selling Trump like hats, like right outside the White House complex. I was like, all right, <laughs> um, but uh. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was cool. DC was. Eh, it's all right. Good weather wait, is all. Wait, wait, wait. You were in DC. Yeah. Didn't visit. Are you there right now? Are you... I'm not in DC. Oh. But well, I mean, I like, I'm an hour away. Oh, okay. He's an hour away same. anyway. I'm probably closer anyway. to you now than I would have been in. I'm about half. I mean, it's. I'm about an hour away from you right now. Oh, yes, that's true. Um, but I took the train. Oh, um, oh whoa. How was yeah. that? So, Bougie? No. Do, we have a, do we have a Seinfeld like sketch coming on? We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, yeah, actually, yeah, we'll do it. I'll, I'll do a Seinfeld stand up sketch for my experience on the train. So, going up, it was fine. 22 bucks from, from, yeah, Charlottesville to DC, there and back, 22. Not bad. But, um, all right. So, I coming home. Have you ever been to Union Station in D.C.? Absolutely. Okay, so you walk in, beautiful architecture, right? And <laughs> the, the people, uh, not so much. The, the people, and then so they had these, uh, you know, like the, the the screens where they would like list the times for the trains. Instead of having the times for the trains, they had like the desktop of whatever computer was supposed <laughs> to be like running it, and it wasn't the most updated version of Windows either, and it had like the task. <laughs> the task thing running like and you're just like okay and then was it like things windows are kind XP or something what's that <laughs> windows xp or something oh, I think it, was, it may have been honestly <laughs> um things are looking a little rough and then oh my gosh so we get so we get beyond the front area of union station and where all the gates are and man is that rough like it is yep. it's it's rough and um our trains delayed by like two and a half hours because of a power outage in Philadelphia. Um, and so my bo- uh, myself and my coworkers, we go up and we're in the bar and a group, and I'm not exaggerating about a hundred kids who had been on a DC like uh, <laughs> um, tour got stuck at union station because of the train delay. So they're all in this bar restaurant with us. So there's about a hundred kids in there um, like high school, middle schoolers, high schoolers. And then, um, <laughs> So as I'm, so I'm starting, you know, I, I, I have my opinions about union station. So I'm starting to walk down the stairs to go back to the main area and something starts dripping on me in the stairwell. And you can see like water's coming out of the ceiling. I, like, <laughs> I really hope that that's not gray water or like from the sewage line or, or, or someone up, up the floor above. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, Oh man. And so we're down there. So, okay. We're like, all right, we know our train's delayed, but let's just, we don't want to miss it. So let's go down. And it's a tons of people and it feels very chaotic. There's a PSA going, uh, giving us instructions on what to do in the case of an active shooter. 
I, I kid you not. And it was talking about the run, hide, fight, and like grab a heavy suitcase and hit somebody. And like <laughs> it's like giving suggestions. And I'm like, I feel so uncomfortable. I mean, not bad advice for sure, but like, like I don't know. I mean, I guess there's no TSA. There's hardly any cops in there, and there's you know you're on your own for the most part. It's how bad Amtrak is. It's like yeah, it's kind of wild west. It's just like we'll we'll outsource this one to the passenger. (laughs) We have federal air marshals. You're not allowed to own a gun in our city. So the best thing and best options you have is to wait for the police. Oh, in this place there are no police. So the best option you have is to cower in fear. Exactly. No, man, you're going to grab a suitcase and start swinging it like a crazy man <laughs> playing um, some Scottish Olympics or something. <laughs> um, there was a guy like standing on like a walkway above us, and he was obviously he seemed to be high. He was just like standing there, like bobbing his head, smiling at people. And I'm like, yeah, he's this the one is... you don't have to worry about, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, exactly. Probably he was probably okay. the least of. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it was just and then what's kind of interesting is that passenger rail, at least in Virginia, I don't know if this is all over the country, but in Virginia, passenger rail has to give way to freight when they come up on each other because it's everywhere. Most of the rail that Amtrak runs on is owned by the freighter company. So they always have to get out of the way. That's one of the big issues with Amtrak, why it just isn't profitable because it's like going to take you forever because they've always got to get out of the way because they don't own their own rail. So we got stuck for like 40 minutes outside of Culpeper. Which, I mean, I have to say, I like riding when the rail, when it, the train's going, I think it's a great way to get around. It's yeah. comfortable. You know, you you can just relax. Um, and uh, but yeah, but if it gets stuck, your your day gets com- get, can get pretty bad. Um, it was thirty dollars round trip. Twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. That's pretty good. Oh, you it was fantastic. Yes, it was. Oh, yeah. It would have cost us. more. I think it, my boss said he cost him more to drive to the train station from his house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so now my the, my comment to my 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 coworkers was like, when you walk in the Union Station, you get this feeling that you're standing in the ruins of a once great empire. <laughs> like you. It's Ouch. This, yeah, but you get on hits, Peter. But you do. You, you're standing there and you're looking at this incredible architecture that was built by a, a previous generation, and then you go beyond those doors on the other side, and it's just the most chaotic, unorganized, and like it, all the corporate like branding and like advertisements that are flashing at you, and then active shooter PSAs. You're like. This is horrible. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is my nightmare. <laughs> this is absolutely my nightmare between like getting bombarded with like obnoxious ads and then being reminded about active shooters and then just like the smell of urine. And <laughs> it's just consumerism, smell of urine, and death. Like, and death. <laughs> like, welcome to DC. It's just like, oh, geez. So that was my experience. I, it would be awesome if we could find a way to spend some money on updating our train our trains but yeah come on man yeah Pelicans don't want so joe biden joe biden loves amtrak i'm surprised it's not getting more love right now like, i think it got a, i think it got a bunch of money didn't when get him much money didn't go to the track at all yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the thing like when you're like you sit there you're like oh man is there some there's someone that they could figure this out yeah that's something I mean, they could figure it out and you can get a lot of people on those trains like yeah. there's a lot of people that get on each one of those i i, I don't know how many but it was a lot really? um 
I'm I'm <laughs> sure I'm sure I'm sure Amtrak gave him a dollar sign donation and he returned a triple dollar sign return. Yeah. Yep. That's you're probably right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, speculation. Speculation. <laughs> We're speculating here. <laughs> um but uh yep, that I was if they're going to do long distance like transportation somehow, like that wasn't flying in America, they'd have to somehow utilize the interstate system. Like there's multiple yeah. times where I've looked at the interstate system and being like, how could you convert part of this? Because the arteries are all there, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Between yeah. all the major cities. It's like, is there any way that you could add like a middle lane? Oh, that where you could have like either a train or like, this is going to sound kind of stupid, but like some sort of connected bus that's just stuck in, in the middle and that you just, I don't know, like gray, like greyhounds, but not as <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> how about, how about, how about you leave, you leave the, the grassy, uh, what was it called? What was the middle, uh, uh, it's like the leave, median area, leave the grassy median, but underneath it, you Ooh. do the whole Elon Musk, like two. There you go. Yeah. So what do they call it? Was Elon doing? Uh, oh, the boring company. Yeah, boring company. You did the like, like so. It's underground. So you still have a median. So if cars like veer off, they're not hitting some train, like you know, train tracks. I just right. want to drive better. They're still veering off and hitting a median or you know guardrails and then a median. Yep. But Left. like underneath it, like that's the perfect real estate to have a state-funded, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah, that would be so thing. depressing. What? That'd be so depressing. Like part of the nice thing about a train is sitting up there and watching the countryside roll by. It's like oh. trying to stay underground for eight hours. Yeah, it's like in well, a submarine. <laughs> I know exactly. Time out. Time out. It's not eight hours though, because the, the whole thing that like uh, Musk is doing, the boring company, all that. It's like it's much faster travel. So it's like it's going like hundred miles an hour sort of thing. So, uh, okay. so you would you would turn a trip to a dramatically slow like, like you it, it would it would be like way shorter of a travel time. And so it's like it's not like you'd be underground for hours and hours and hours. You'd be underground for you know, you know, like you'd be underground for I don't know twenty minutes, so or th- you know a half an hour, an hour, you know. So it's just like a study session as I'm working. Yeah, yeah. Like any other and they, they can put like TV screens that have like outdoor views on them. <laughs> there you go. I'm not sure if you've ever read Fahrenheit 41, but oh I, yes, I, I, my favorite part about that book was reading about their uh, their um, uh, not not pillars. What were they called? The uh, uh, they like the big screens they had they had a particular name for them but they had like screens people were just like kind of, like addicted to their ginormous wall wall covering screens yep what were they called oh man i parlors I, parlors yes parlors. that's right yep. yeah they're parlors where they would like go into a room and they had like walls covered in screens and they would talk to like tons of people and they'd have their social interactions they have all the things you know i feel like that that's probably you know that's that's trans that's like transhumanism. Like that's like this yeah. trans. That's like that's that's you know. I mean that that's the way we should go. Really, I think. <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of what we're doing right now? That's my. I did not expect <laughs> you. Literally, what we're doing right now. We're both, I, we're all three of us are standing in front of screens no, we're, talking. We're, no, we're, <laughs> we're we're smoking and drinking, friends. That happen. there you go. I did not expect you to say to mention to reference Fahrenheit 451 and be like I think that's the way we should go. That was not <laughs> what I was expecting. <laughs> For people listening to the podcast, I know that that book takes a very very harsh look at fascism and I'm not trying to endorse <laughs> anything of the sort. Jokes my friends. Yes, jokes. of course. <laughs> um but uh yeah, we're 
Uh, have you, oh, just kind of back to uh, DC. Have you guys ever seen the statues of Lafayette and Rochambeau in Jackson Park across from the White House? Mm-mm. Yes. I, I So across from the White House, you have Rochambeau and Lafayette, who are these two French guys who helped us win the revolution. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 on the Lafayette statue, you have this like half dressed woman handing Lafayette a sword. And so my boss was like, who came up with that to like, <laughs> and like, as if Lafayette was ever like, and I was like, did that ever exist? And I'm like, only in Lafayette's head, <laughs> half naked women handing him swords. <laughs> like, no, she's supposed to be Lady Liberty. <laughs> I don't think so. Is she supposed to? She's supposed to be a, a symbol, yeah. like a symbol of America. Is she really? Yes. Oh Is well, she looked. I don't know. I, I was, feel like that counts. Uh, that I thought that not, maybe out. not Lady Liberty, but like she's supposed to be a symbol of America. Well. It puts America in a very weird position, half clothed and like sitting at Lafayette's feet. I don't know how I feel well, about that. Well, that was the whole point of the statue. Is like these guys came in clutch. Like, oh, we, I know. I, we oh, were in I, dire I, straits I, and they came in clutch. And so the whole point was that like the French didn't erect that statue. We did. <laughs> so I, I know. And I don't know how I feel about that. I'm not saying that they don't deserve statues. I just thought it was just a weird depiction of of humans and then on the back side of it there's these giant chair have you been to the sistine chapel no have you- i haven't oh not. <laughs> <laughs> and michael's like seen- oh sorry i didn't mean the flex there. have you seen a thousand years of, of church history and art and architecture oh, God. no that the whole 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 that's only 500 years that's Fine. 500 new. years that's Fine. New. i'm being hyperbolic you want you want cool stuff don't go to saint peter's renaissance you heard it here first. Renaissance art is, is bullshit. You got to go to the medieval. It's just that's it. I, I said it out loud. I said it in the podcast. Uh, give me, okay. give me, give me either icons right. or frescoes. Okay, okay. that's what I want. That's, that's the true that, holy that's Roman Empire. Am, okay, <laughs> like, we need to get yeah. rid of all this modernism in the church. Yes. <laughs> Renaissance was where it started. You could see the echoes of Vatican II in the Sistine Chapel. Okay, <laughs> it gets weirder than half clothed. America's symbolic women handing Lafayette a sword on the back side of it. There are these giant infants who are not proportional to the rest of the images on the statue. Like they're, they're bigger, they're smaller. They're huge. <laughs> There's these giant babies that are like naked standing on the back side of the statue. And it's, they're not proportional to the other people on the statue. So they're like these giant babies. It's very odd. I, I don't know. It kind of seems seems like an analogy for neoconservatism, right? Like (laughs) neoconservative neoliberalism, right? Like gigantic, gigantic, weirdly disproportionate babies. So (laughs) wandering through the world. Or or new natural law theory. Yeah. You know what? You're right. I I am just too, I'm uneducated when it comes to. uh, (laughs) I I don't think that's the issue. (laughs) Um, no, but I mean, I, I should. I, I will end this my little uh, <laughs> joke by saying, obviously, Rochambeau and Lafayette were like legit military guys who, like, without them, we would not have pulled off the revolution. Like, yeah, they were cool. So, I, 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 I'm willing to defend the woman handing the sword. <laughs> I'm not willing to defend the infants. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. <laughs> That's like that's like it's like okay yeah I get the metaphor I get the right. metaphor oh and we're dropping that <laughs> yep. okay, now we're here yeah got it let me tell you what the time I almost got hit by a congressman in DC no 
<laughs> so I was like, so like whenever I've gone into DC, I've always like gone behind the Supreme Court to park in that neighborhood because that's where you can always find street parking or most of the time during the week you can find street parking there. Um, and so I forgot, I think I was meeting up with some people chilling out. And so I was like looking at like the the back of the Supreme Court and like I was like reading it was like like equality under the law or something, which is like what's on the back of it. And this random dude who's wearing this tweed coat and like doesn't have all his teeth and is like he doesn't have hair on the top of his head, but he has a lot on the side. So he looks insane. And he kept on like <sighs> doing whatever. And he's like, he's like, do you, you know what it says there? I'm like, it says equality under the law. And he's like, do you believe that? I was like, like I, 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 I guess it makes it makes sense. He's like, he's like, who, who was the first Supreme Court justice? I was like, uh, 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 I was like, because <laughs> I, like, I had been driving down John Marshall Highway and I knew he's the Supreme Court justice, so it's just like John, John Marshall. And he has this look of absolute disgust on it. I've never seen another human being so disgusted with me. In like my entire life, right? Like I've made some bad mistakes, but he just had this agape look of just, I wish you would die and I'll <laughs> jump on your corpse in glee. And he's just like, Marshall, good God. And he just like walks away. I was just like, okay, whatever, whatever. I'm, I'm going to on with my day. So I'm walking behind the Supreme Court and there's a buildup of cars and I decide that I'm going to jaywalk for some reason, like just cut in between the cars. I'm like, I'm in the city. This is what they all do in the city. On the other side, I didn't look far enough, but a big black government SUV comes like whizzing by about like a foot to half foot away from my face. It was so close that I could see, I could see like the little like spirally um, earpiece on whoever was driving it. It was totally a congressman. And I, and I could see him like make eye contact with me for a split second and his eyes, this was again, this is right after some guy chews me out for not knowing who the first Supreme Court justice of the United States was. And I can see in like the, like the Secret Service, whoever it is, guys, the look of what the F are you doing here in the middle of the road? kid? And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing in the middle of the road. I need to use the crosswalk. <laughs> so I get across the road and all I can and I see like there's Capitol Police, like just maybe a block down. They've totally seen it. And I'm just walking. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear the whoop, whoop. Excuse me, sir. Like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it. I'm just walking, trying not to run because that looks suspicious. Like, just keep on walking. Just keep on walking. And then nothing happened. Oh, that was before <laughs> January 6th. So I feel like that's like the, the meme with the dude with the butterfly where he's like, is this, is, is this terrorism? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> is this a suicide bomber in the middle of the road? I'm just like throwing myself against it. Yeah. Soon they will say, is this Lyman like her? <laughs> it's like I was just look all I was doing was a Stephen Colbert thing right That's I was right. just breaking into the Capitol oh. did you ever learn who the uh, first Supreme Court justice was Thomas I told this story to um, my not the whole story but I told part of the story to my class once and one of the kids immediately screams out John Jay okay good yes. <laughs> it's like yes so now now you need to remember, you all need to remember that crazy guy in front of the supreme court <laughs> like there's gonna be like riots like everyone's gonna be burning down the neighborhood around it after the dobbs decision he's gonna be walking around asking you random know. people like do you know who the first supreme court justice was like ah! 
like, he'll be the one defending it just like <laughs> no he won't be defending he just wants the people to know that John Jay was the first Supreme Court justice that's all he's gonna be doing that's gonna be going to his grave that's gonna be on his tombstone John Jay was the first SCOTUS justice <laughs> that's funny um whew. well should we move on to something more serious move on move on what the heck was that text you sent about james bond oh oh yeah what was that about so well have you seen the no time to die no i don't know anything what the heck you were talking about oh wait well then we're going to totally spoil it yeah what to me have you seen the latest james bond movie what do you mean the latest james bond movie you mean the one where where what's his face is not alive yeah, where it's it ends with him, yeah, being not alive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So oh, you've seen it. Okay. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah spoilers. Spoilers for. Yeah, uh, I, I think this we already totally. Well, we we announce spoilers after. No, spoilers. no. The the text explicitly suggested future movies, like the new James Bond. Oh, oh no 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 no! no. This is as yeah. in we're talking about the most recent James Bond. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, like Peter, do you feel represented finally? I in the James, you Bond know, movie. I have to say, I felt so okay. Obviously, spoilers, <laughs> but I was I watched it for the first time recently, and I was so thrilled by the way they wrote that movie and yeah. and they ended his character. Yeah, like Daniel Craig's Bond ends with having a child, and that's where his legacy lives on. Like, not in like all the good that like he created was was in a child and it's like it's not glorifying the sex the killing any of that other stuff that it's it's in a real human and i just thought that that was such a cool way to end his story arc i was just so thrilled and then uh and then also i thought it was hilarious and kind of on the nose that the whole premise of that movie was that a government-backed bio lab was (laughs) responsible for like (laughs) <laughs> that was amazing i was su- <laughs> i was kind of surprised they went there but yeah they did and uh no i thought that was yeah one of the better movies that i've seen in a while uh, well what i think well okay i'm gonna be talking both sides out of my mouth now while i loved how they wrote his character and they had it be that he had a kid and you know it was that was really cool um they struggled with like you really had to suspend disbelief a lot <laughs> through a lot of like the especially like the later movies yeah in, in which was like it's bond so you can do it but yeah it, w- it could have been tighter on a few things that would have like really rounded it out so him ran like the bad guy whatever his was snoof or snafe or something yeah what his name is, like randomly letting the kid go and you're just like yeah i thought this is your idea like wait yeah now you're just like forget it yeah there were some questionable parts in it yeah but yeah i did like how it ended with that yep so <clears throat> yeah any thoughts uh i'm like- not i'm not a parent i'm not a parent but honestly if i was kidnapping a child and they were that and i, and I wanted to keep them alive for some like wow it's hard to say this nefarious reason that is worthy of a bond villain not worthy of something more realistic and terrible right um if I had some nefarious reason to keep this child alive, I would. I if they were just like biting people and like being a pain, in the, like pain in the butt, I would totally be like, "Yeah, get the heck out of here! What, <laughs> yeah. Stupid idea." Well, also, I mean, if you think about it, you're in a giant compound that's probably gonna get destroyed by some government. Like, get out of here! I don't care. Give a good yep. like, So I don't know. I, I yes, I get that that was super like 
not ex mach. It was like a, it was like a setup for an ex machina. Mm. Yeah. Um, yep. So like, uh, it's, it's kind of a stretch, but like <clears throat> at the same time, like I know kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm an uncle. You know, you know, 16 times over, 17, yeah. 18 times, 18 times over, 18 times. Uh, I'm the youngest of a large family, so. I don't know. I, I feel like I can say I can say like yeah, that's- <laughs> that was actually reasonable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the true. other thing that I love about the Bond movies is that they take you to really cool location. They shoot those some of those locations. Yeah. That that Italian like village that they're in. Oh. The- oh, yeah. I was about to buy a plane ticket. I was like, oh man, what yeah. am I doing here? Yeah. Like Southern oh. Italy. Yeah. Oh man, but yeah. uh, so yeah, cool movie. I'm. They're coming out with some good ones. I, I'm, I have not seen Maverick yet, the new Top Gun movie. Yeah, heard it's good, but I need to see it. Um, um, yeah, I think that once they revealed that Bond had a kid, they had to okay. kill him off because it's like, do you really want the next movie for him to be showing up to like MI6 and like New Balances and stuff and cracking dead <laughs> jokes? Like, it's like, <laughs> like this is they've just destroyed the, the mystique of the franchise. Like, yes. And he's like, well, I came in, I got to save somebody to, I just set up a Bobby for the, no, 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 not the, the like a barbecue. I had to set that up. <laughs> Mow the lawn. Yes. Got back from soccer practice. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah that was that's kill a character. It was a good movie. That it was. Movie. Yeah. Um, I will say it, that the the kill radius for a modern a modern American grenade is 15 feet. So I'm not sure about that staircase scene. Oh yeah, that was but yeah. I think Daniel Craig is dead. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then he also survived a pretty long time after getting shot too. Yeah. <laughs> like also, also, it's like a four second like like from when the pin is pulled and the the clip is released. It's like a four second timer, so like a four second fuse. Yeah. So yeah. So him throwing it back was probably a little. But yeah, it was ridiculous. But I will say, if you've watched older Bond movies, like that's ridiculous. Like, honestly, like, I can't complain about things like that because, right. like, if you watch older Bond movies, like skiing down the mountain and like huge, like freaking, like you know, like yep. avalanche coming down behind. I don't know. I, it, 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 as far as Bond movies go, not only were they like attempting for realism in a lot of ways, yep. but they also told a really good story. I they thought, they, yep. yeah. I thought Malik, what's his face, uh, whatever his name, uh, something. Oh, Remy Malik. Yep. Yeah. Malik. I'm like, yeah, I have complaints about like uh, this, that, but like Bond villains are kind of supposed to be over the top and kind of yeah. cliche, like yeah. yep. in of themselves. I, I thought he did a great job. I think you're so right. Yeah, you're. It's uh yeah, it's blending that, you know, modern, you want things to look real so they're not cheesy, but still holding on to that Bond brand where you've got this, you know, uh caricature of like an evil genius kind of guy. Um yeah. who yeah, it's cool. It is really cool. Um I'm looking for yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with like the next iteration. Yeah. Um who they get. Like, that's the question. Where do they go from here? Because they kind of did I'm gonna say the touchy feely bond, but they did like a very, I don't even want to say emotionally mature, but they did like an emotional portrait of the character, um, right. which fit and was interesting and kind of actually looked at the realism of what it would be like to actually live that kind of lifestyle. And it, it yeah. kind of comes to the conclusion that it's kind of broken and it sucks unless you have a kid. Um, yeah. So awesome. like, do they go in a more like jokey kind of, um, I want to say stereotypical bond, but like, 
you have a suspension of disbelief that yes, even if you did all these things, you'd probably be miserable and have an awful life, but it's going to be a James Bond movie. Um, or I don't know. I'm just wondering like what path do they chart after this? And I think a lot of it has to depend on who the next, who they cast as the next bond. Yeah. Uh, that's going to, that's going to dictate a lot of it, which I hope doesn't happen for like two more years. Yeah. Yeah. I hope they don't, and not, not, not another movie in two more years. I mean, they don't cast anybody in two more years. Yeah. Like I hope I hope it takes some time because like just the 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 reiteration of things and like exactly what you're like what you're talking about Thomas like they did take a really emotional theatrical kind of like realistic uh, not not movie not like 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 let's make a movie let's more like let's make a film yeah, kind of yeah. bond bond like you know person yeah. and like Daniel Craig was awesome and, and great and all of it oh, but yeah. like I totally agree that like I don't know what direction they would take it in I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a woman, or they're going to do a very, very poor job of doing manly charisma. Mm. Now, the third thing I would like to deposit is that, however much fun and enjoyment I can get out of watching a Bond movie, it is a, it is actually kind of an- antithetical to like our views of. Of masculinity yeah. no oh, for totally. sure oh <laughs> well yeah. this well to be fair this this bond was the l- one that you could actually oh, the least antithetical yeah. yeah exactly yeah. you could you could understand the most even if you disagreed with the person you could be like it added to the culture of life <laughs> i don't know about uh, that's a step too i mean far, the last buddy. movie the last iterate <laughs> the arc of it added to the culture of life which is to have kids <laughs> buy property <laughs> you know his kill count is his death ratio though like plus one life but like minus i don't know how many hundreds of people. yeah but like but that's like comparing zeros across the board and you get yeah. one but if you think zero and one is infinite so there you go like, oh, cool. um, to the culture of life in a very small way <laughs> um there's like an out like more people have kids because like i'm gonna be like james bond and have a kid well it's better than growing a mustache because of tom cruise <laughs> <laughs> um but uh i i uh, just to kind of round out the conversation like yeah what what i loved about it is that you know no you can't as a christian man you can't emulate your life on james bond but what they've done is kind of in this very dramatic way shown human nature at its worst and its best mm-hmm. and you can identify different parts of your life with different parts of him and you can try and, you know, be like, well, I don't want to do that, but let's, you know, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, it, it, yeah, obvious. I mean, I'm not saying anything that people don't know. Obviously there have been so many iterations of this character that it's one of the like most successful franchises, um, but it's a really fascinating story. It's really cool. Um, um, I think the modern writer will have a very difficult time. Yeah. Nailing the male machismo like yeah like it, yeah it's going to be interesting I, yeah I, mean, I saw a list of people they were thinking of and they they went from like being a redhead what, what's that anything less of them being a redhead it won't be good <laughs> um, for those who don't know peter is a redhead that's right um the uh the list i saw ranged from like idris elba to Andrew Garfield. Yeah. Um, which are obviously two very different. And then there was like a bunch of people in between. Idris Elba would be cool. I think he would be a very interesting. I don't know. Yeah, it would be 
he would be an interesting take. It would be similar to Bond, but also probably you could get some. A, it would be a different Bond. Um, so, so six years ago, I'd be like Idris Elba. Heck yeah, like, yeah. Like it, it fits a progressive kind of checkbox. Sure, I'm not even thinking of. Yeah. I just actually really like him as an actor. Oh yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah, but six years ago, I think it'd be much more reasonable than now because then. Yeah. It's like the big thing with Daniel Craig is Daniel Craig is doing this like this like super like the whole idea is like it's super physical like if we want to make it as re- kind of more realistic Bond kind of film which is yeah. probably the direction we're going to keep going but then Idris Elba is not a young man anymore no he's not yeah I think like, you want a younger yeah yeah, point. You're yeah. Gonna, I think they go oh um I think you're totally right Thomas who was the guy I think if you yeah I could toss out I would really like to see the guy who played the main character in Tenant. Really? Yeah. Let me see. Uh, I forget what his name is because I forget everyone from that movie. I still can't figure that movie out. Really? But I think if you want to, oh, John David Washington. If you want to, yeah. If you want to do an African American, um, well, because Idris Elba isn't African American, British, African British, whatever. However, we're however we're going to describe it. Like, if you want to go that route, I wouldn't go Idris Elba because, again, like Mike said, he's old. But I like that, like, because it feels like it'd be like Daniel Craig again, kind of. Yeah, but I think this other guy, it would be an interesting. Uh, so, do they go with an American though? That's, well, I mean, that's... they have done American actors in the past, but do you think yeah. they go with American? That would be, yep, embrace the empire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> taking all your stuff. <laughs> this is what the Brits um, did to other colonial <laughs> enterprise. We'd steal your shit. <laughs> um, who was the actor who played in um, The Gentleman? Oh, oh, I was just I you, love you, him. See that movie? Yes. Charlie yeah. Charlie yeah, yes. Unum. Yes, Sons of Anarchy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Play yes. a game with me, Raymond. He would be yes. he'd be pretty cool. He's obviously got that. He's still young. He's can do British stuff. I think he's uh, <laughs> he actually British. Is he actually British? Uh he's uh no, he is actually. Yeah, he is. Oh, really? There you go. Yeah, yeah, he's born in Newcastle. Um I think he might. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I think there's there's a bunch of cool options, but, um, yeah, they just have got to probably. I, I remember reading once that one of the directors or writers for like the Daniel Craig series said they don't want to do a female Bond because it's just not who the character is. Yeah, like it's if if that's if that's kept concurrent, like I think that yeah. I mean, like uh, there's this comedian that probably a lot of people dislike and probably shouldn't listen to, but I uh, named Bill Burr and there's an interview, an interview that he did. There was awesome, awesome interview with this, this young woman who was like, like interviewing about like, like kind of like women's issues and things like that. And it was just a really, it was like very short. It was like probably like, I think she had him on a microphone for 10 minutes. Yep. And the, and like, she was you know asking these different questions about like this, this, that, and, and uh, Bill Burr, this comedian is pretty famous. I'm saying something along the lines is like, like get, like get off my back, like start your own stuff, write your own characters. Yeah. Like, why, yeah. why is it that we need to destroy old characters and replace, like, re- comp- like, uh, not replace them, but reverse them? Yeah. yeah. Why don't, why don't we keep old characters that are good and make new characters that are also good? Yep. Yeah. Keep doing better things and better things so, about writing, yeah. whatever. It's yep. a lack of imagination. It right, yeah. yeah, and so uh, like with the James Bond is like a perfect example. <clears throat> Again, as a Catholic man, not not the ideal gentleman or anything like that. But yeah. as far as like like the like 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 huge exposure or whatever of like 
masculinity of some kind. Yep. Like, uh, I should say, like, but I think, I definitely think that um, the whole idea of like a, a female bond is kind of missing the point. Yeah. Like, you yeah. really need to just write a good, awesome female character. I mean, for yeah. example, watch Aliens. Oh, so right. Alien. Sorry, yeah. watch Alien and then watch Aliens because that's a good female character. Oh, yep. Well, I'm good. Well, no, no, that, that, that's a woman that I would go to, like, I mean, like, to, it's, to, it's well, and also to toss out like another really good female character was um, Amy Adams in The Arrival. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, she awesome. was great. Yeah. And it was it was she yep. was the lead. She was the main character. Jeremy Renner was in there kind of as like the side love interest. It was a what good I, movie. And it was a great movie. And what I really liked about her as the lead and as a female, they'll all sometimes when you have like the really like loud and aggressive, like, look, it's a they'll like female lead they'll always do one scene where there'll be some like overweight balding like dumb white guy who's who'll walk in and it, there's like it's a cliche at this point and he'll say something or do something misogynistic and the main lead because she's like like boss girl kind of thing is going to show him up and that's going to show you that like the main lead can like assert dominance as a woman and you're like Okay, like how many times does this regularly happen? Like I go through normal daily life and like there's some guy who goes out of his way to be an asshole like that, right? It's like maybe you'd be like, well, you're not a woman. Okay, maybe. But like in the normal interactions of people, I just don't. It's like so caricatured with 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 the arrival. Amy Adams was the lead. Yeah. And that was it. And she had a role and she was a linguist and that was it. Yeah. Yep. And we didn't need to be like, hey, by the way, did you notice that we we cast a woman as the lead? Guys, hey, by the way, in case you didn't know. And it was just like, no, because she's the lead. And you're like, yeah, cool. It's an interesting movie. And it was a great movie. It was a great movie. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. It was like it's And it wasn't like, hey, we're going to beat you. Did you like, no, no, I got the fat when you started beating me over the head with your baseball bat of like, yes, we have a lead character as a woman. Like, that's when I noticed. And like with this it was just like, no, it felt real in the way that like the whole plot was constructed. Yep. So. And that's like a, just a weird thing, like a weird stigma about like just like uh, I mean, you, you look at Princess Leia, not a lead character, but an awesome character, yeah, and like yeah. A total, total, like awesome, rad, like tough, like all these sort of things. Maybe you know, maybe it doesn't meet certain you know feminist ideals of of like you know talking to having X amount of conversations with other female characters that aren't about male <laughs> characters, whatever that that like that that. Uh, yeah, there was actually there was a Rick and Morty episode about this where they make fun of that, where there's like they're caught in like a timeline of a movie or something. And like the like the whole scenario is disintegrating the simulation. And Rick is like, quick, Marty, you need to recite me. What is like and he's like, you need to tell me you need to describe a character who's like doing this, 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 and like whatever it all is. And Morty's like, what are you talking about? Rick? Like, you got to do it. We're all going to die. And then it cuts to the scene that Morty has like described. It's like the dumbest, most wooden and it fits all the criteria. But it's like this like awful, like boring. Series. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm more and more convinced that it's not an issue of like politics or anything like that, but I'm being more and more convinced that it's just that there are not good writers being elevated in places of importance and dominance yeah. in Hollywood at all. Yep. Like the, the best of the best <laughs> are being reserved for, I mean, freaking the, one of my favorite directors made a total just garbage movie um guy who made a uh um 
Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Uh, oh, yeah, Guy Smith. Ritchie. Uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie made this movie about like this, like, this uh, um, armored car or something. Was that with Jake Gyllenhaal? No, 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 no. Wrath no, no, of that Man? Was, that was a different one. But Wrath of Man. Yeah, he made yeah. Wrath of Man. And it was trash. Absolute yeah. trash. And I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking, this is like my absolute favorite director in Hollywood. And he has made movies that a lot of people don't like that I really love. And then movies that a lot of people love that I also love. And then he makes this as like the most recently. And I'm just thinking, wow, what kind of writers are these people being fed? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so true. I actually kind of want to see it now. <laughs> it's bad. Thomas, Tom, seriously. I, not, not like a, not like a Stanford. Don't watch that movie. Like don't watch that movie because it's actually garbage. <laughs> so speaking of, well, not maybe garbage, but it was an interesting. Post um, Malone's in it. Yes. Yes. I don't know. That's a little convincing. The post Malone's. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Is the best part <laughs> is the best part. No, actually, like literally, not only is he the best actor in the movie, he's <laughs> got Jason Strait. Not even joking. <laughs> oh my gosh! So uh, I might not. I had a blast from the past a couple days ago when I watched um, Killing Them Softly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's interesting about Killing the Soft is made in like 2013 or 14, and it's set in Detroit. And it's a really fairly simple storyline of these guys who uh, like rob a gangster um, poker game, and then they all have to be assassinated. But the funny part about it is that in the background, George W. They have so many clips of George W. Bush talking about the financial crisis of 2018. Um. And I wasn't really sure how. I, yeah, this is it was. It's supposed to be set in like 2008, like right when the financial crisis, and it's set in like Detroit, I believe, and it's kind of dystopian and it's like awful, um, and a lot of people get killed because they knocked over the wrong. But it, like, I, I thought it was an. By the end of the movie, it was a little bit too on the nose, because, <clears throat> um, um. Brad Pitt's character kind of represents the barbity, bar- wait, is that even a word? Barbarity mm-hmm. of American life, right? Barbity, I don't know. I'm just, barbity. I'm just no, slinging, oh, I'm yeah. just slinging them together. <laughs> um, barbarity of like American. Well, how about life. barbarism? Barbarism, barbity. <laughs> so that's where you go to the barber shop and get a haircut. <laughs> like, um, barbity. Um, anyway, no, but like he represents kind of like the violence of American life because he's the one who goes through and actually executes most of the people. And then the guy he's sitting in the car with, it's interesting because it's supposed to be something. I feel like it's supposed to be something of an analogy yeah. for capitalism. Cause everyone has to make an analogy. Squid gives an analogy for capitalism. <laughs> but you never see who <laughs> the guy in the car actually works for, but there's this like, there's this like council that he's working for that wants these guys whacked. And this other guy has to get whacked, even though he didn't knock the thing, but he, it looks like he did. Yeah. Um, and I was just wondering, like, <laughs> it felt like it hit a little bit too far on the nose at the end when he says America, I forget what the line is when Pitt talks about it, but essentially that America is essentially every man for himself and like pay me my money. And that's the end of it. Um, it's kind of a depressing movie. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It was still kind of 
I don't know. It was like a different time looking at young Obama and Bush. <coughs> Sorry. Are you dying? Yeah. I'm dying from barbities. <laughs> I am. I'm trying. Michael, Michael, what's your take on this? So I yeah, we I think we we talked about this. So I, I briefly. I before I was dying. I don't know what headspace yeah, before I was dying. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, I don't know what headspace I was in at the like when I watched it, but when I watched it, I, I, I think probably not. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> and by probably, I mean definitely. Um, <clears throat> I mean definitely. But when I, when I was watching it, I'm pretty sure that I, I did not receive the same sort of like intellectual input from like okay. the back, like the clips and like the, the Bush Obama stuff. I was thinking, man. Brad Pitt is just awesome. <laughs> and whoa, they killed that guy. Whoa, that was brutal. And I, I, I don't know what headspace I was in, but it was kind of for me, it was kind of just like it was it was a bit of like a, a reading uh reading a fantasy book, like it's escapism. Well, so your take on the whole political thing about like capitalism and all that is actually not only not only surprising or interesting to me, but also kind of like a shocker because I remember nope. that. So if you if you watch it again, what's interesting is that the political stuff is always playing on in the background. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's not until the final scene that Brad Pitt actually acknowledges what's on the TV because it's like, I think it was like, he it, someone quotes Jefferson, either Obama or Bush. Yeah. And he, he's like, what Jefferson wrote was essentially bullshit. Um, so yeah. I'm losing my voice here. <clears throat> well, do you, voice. well, talking about killing them softly, do you have enough voice to talk about the Pope? Sure, we can do this. Um, hopefully, I can pull it out. I can get, we can do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was an article in the National Catholic Register called well, Understanding... Yeah. And that's the, what you sent to us, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, called Understanding Pope Francis. It's the moral theology, stupid. Yeah. And essentially, the guy makes the argument that Pope Francis has moved in a different. The reason Pope Francis's pontificate seems so radically different from everyone from like JP2 and Benedict is that <clears throat> Francis essentially moves in a more of a proportionalist moral theology, which is essentially that there's circumstances that kind of can change not only just like the morality of the action itself or not just that I mean, like not just be a um an aspect where it's like okay the, that weighs into culpability but it turns it into more of a this is actually what you have to do and it turns it into like almost a morally good um action right so it says in one point the guy says proportionalism denies that there are intrinsically evil acts and that the morality of an act can only be judged in the light of its outcomes or consequences catholic proportions do not deny there are indeed foundational moral principles which is how it differs from straight up and unvarnished utilitarianism but that in the light of a rational adjudication of potentially like of potential likely outcomes a moral principle can be denied as applicable in a particular instance if there is a proportionate reason for doing so which almost sounds a little bit um, like utilitarianism. And he quoted some of Amoris Letitiate. Um, Letitia. I don't, I can't, I can't pronounce anything. Peter, oh, sorry, I'm, Peter, I'm, sorry. I'm dying here. <laughs> Barbadies and Letitiate or something. <laughs> um, has 
So this is a quote from Pope Francis, yet conscience can do more than recognize that a given situation does not correspond objectively to the overall demands of the gospel. It can also recognize with sincerity and honesty what for now is the most generous response which can be given to God and come to see with a certain moral security that it is what God himself is asking amid the concrete complexities of one limits while not yet fully the objective ideal. End quote. End quote, yeah. So I think the point is, is that it seems to fit with kind of the overall trajectory of Pope Francis's pontificate of like the idea, quote unquote, of meeting people where they're at and like as a like a field hospital for the sick, as opposed to like a place for the you know perfect or something, which is all like in many ways is all well and good. Right. Like is completely acceptable and understandable and makes sense from a certain point of view and from a certain perspective. However, it seems to be clearly at odds with the idea of, well, first of all, it's obviously clearly at odds with the idea of natural law and like actions being intrinsically evil or not. Um, but it seems like a principle that could just be very easily abused um, within the church in which it is in many ways. And the guy links it in with a lot of Pope Francis's picks for cardinals, especially in the American church, couldn't speak you know, to the wider church. But within the Catholic Church, you know, he picks people that you generally consider to be liberals. And what if what is Pope, maybe Pope Francis isn't exactly looking at them in the liberal conservative framework that we kind of tend to see cardinal yeah. picks, but more in the are they objective, rigid, ritualists? Can I make up that word now? Um, ritualists, rid, rid, not rid, residualists, but rid. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just making up words left and right. Um but that they have the more proportionist outlook. I think this is like the key to understanding most of his pontificate at this point, to be honest, this article. So um, you totally it was, agree. It was, I totally agree. It was written by Larry Chap, and he got his doctorate in theology from Fordham university, specializing in the theology of Han, Hans Urs von Balthasar. Which and I don't what, think. What, uh, what's the name of the article again? It was understand understanding Pope Francis. It's the moral theology. Stupid. In, I think uh, it totally explains uh, Catholic, Catholic, National Catholic Register. Yeah, I'll put I'll put a link in the in the description of the yeah. episode. I okay, maybe if you disagree, Mike, that's fine. Um, I'm gonna have to rest my voice. <laughs> so Peter, you have to take it up. I think it totally explains just. Oh no, Peter's take the trajectory of of hope. I I agree with him. I think yeah, the, this okay. seems to fit and explain everything. I need some water. I I do think that um this does kind of uh provides some illumination to why there seems to be a uh, like where we're all like, why, like, why are these the picks he's making? Is he actually a, um, does he actually like Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi? Is he really a liberal? No, I think that this might be closer to it maybe, but one, I, um, it's kind of interesting because so in preparation for this, I was thinking about, church theology and this idea that circumstances can create different moralities surrounding yeah. an act yeah and um you know on the face of it as a catholic you're like well no that's ridiculous like you know there are absolute truths and you know there are certain things you just cannot do or things you have to do um and but i one thing i came up with and the idea of taking a human life, the church has created an entire apparatus of when it's okay and when it's not okay 
to end somebody's life. And it's all based on the circumstances. Yeah. And it's a very, I mean, I think that the church's morality based on um, whether it's, you know, self-defense, murder, whatever it is, is a very much proportionalist argument. Um, and I, I don't know. What do you think? Mike? Wait, I, I, wait, 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 did you say the United States' stance or the church's stance? Oh, if I said the United States, my bad. I meant the church's stance. Oh, it's Americanism creeping into like the church's, the church's, the church's, <laughs> like the church's teachings on the morality around self-defense or, you know, whatever it is within taking human life seems to be totally based on the circumstances of the, of the action and, or uh, of the event. Uh, and I you're prepared to say that that is proportionalism. I think it's, I feel like Michael's gearing up to argue something, but he's just, no, no, he's like is, holding back a little bit. I'm like, I, I, All right, let's, well, let's hear it. okay. So Thomas read us the, like the definition of proportionalism. Yeah. yeah. And I think, okay, so the old and the new Testament are, they don't, they don't quibble on when they're laying down the law, both Moses's law and the greatest commandments from Christ make it pretty clear that you are not supposed to kill people. Subsequently, the Christian church has said, well, if it's in self-defense or if it's you're the state or if you're this or you're that, then it's good. And it's, it doesn't say that in the Bible or at least not, not in where we get the law. Where we get the law, it does not state that there are extenuating circumstances that can make it okay. And so it's kind of interesting that the Christian church has taken this, well, let's add this apparatus around it so that we can still do war with each other. Well, don't say Christian. What's that? Don't say Christian. Catholic. I mean, yeah. if that's what you mean. Okay. The Catholic, the Catholic morality has created an apparatus, or the Catholic church has created an apparatus that allows... Catholic kings to continue to to exert war on each other and still be able to go to communion. And I think it's kind of interesting. So what do you think, Mike? No, I mean, it doesn't matter what I think, but <laughs> well, no, and, and this is just my opinion too. I just think it's kind of I am, interesting. I am so, really curious. I'm really curious about so like so when, when you read the article, were were you did you totally agree with the take on uh Papa Francesco or mm-hmm. or rather or rather did you be like were you like, well, even if that is his like the case, like what's the problem? Um, so no, I, I, it definitely, so, okay. I think it is a good take on what he's doing yeah. and I don't think it's not without its issues. I don't think I agree with proportionalism. I'm not saying that like, that this is like a good Catholic, like, uh, morality that we should apply to everything. I don't, that's not what I'm saying. Um, I, I think my, my take is that while we react to this and we think it's kind of this postmodern, um, way of looking at morality, I think that this has it always existed within Catholicism, just kind of on in different areas. And now it's starting to come into sexual morality where we can say, well, if you're really in love with the person and, you know, you will be sad without them, then you can, you know, stuff like that, where when it came to killing people, we did stuff like that too with that. So that's kind of what I'm saying where like we should at least widen the lens when we're talking about proportionalism and just be like, well, this is not, an entirely new idea, I guess, is what I'm. Well, is the point? I guess so. I guess two things. Like when I say I agree with the article, I agree with the sense that I think this is like a hermeneutic for understanding Pope Francis's pontificate. Like I think it really helps explain what he's what how he sees his own pontificate and what his objectives are when he's doing it. Not necessarily that I agree with it or not, and I agree that 
I think there's an there is an aspect where when you have like the moral law aspect to things and you're like these are intrinsically evil actions that there is there is always the 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 great fault that could one could fall into would be kind of like this Pharisee Pharisaic kind of like putting heavy burdens on the people not yeah. lifting a finger to to yeah. relieve them and being like oh well it's intrinsically evil so why are you still doing it right it's like yeah. people are pretty complicated right and there's lots of reasons why people do things and there's lots of reasons why people feel constrained like they have to do things right um which i think is always kind of the great reminder when you read the gospels you know the the charge to the pharisees is like you stop judging <laughs> like you can't you cannot judge these people right and so like yeah. there's there's aspects to that where I think if you're of the more moral, like natural law mindset that you have to keep those in mind as the admonition to your, to you personally, to not judge your fellow brother and sister in Christ, because you don't really know all the circumstances that are involved with it. However, that's still worlds away from somehow the circumstances taking the objectively wrong action and turning it into somehow it's like, Feasible. yeah, exactly. Or acceptable based on those circumstances. And as I was thinking about it a little bit more, there seems to be a little bit of like this deification of the individual in this case that you can sit there and figure out based off of these circumstances where I'm at. And I, but like, that's a tricky situation, right? Like, it's like, yeah, sometimes, you know, when you've reached the breaking point, right? Like let's use the analogy of like, um, like lifting weights, right? Because this is this is all we talk about in this podcast. Like there's sometimes where you realize you can't do another rep, right? Yes. But then there's sometimes when you realize, no, I I, I probably can't do another rep, right? Like, and sometimes those two places are blurry as to when you've like chickened out and you don't want to go for that last extra rep or where you could like deload a little bit and like move the pin and do another rep at a lower weight. And you just don't want to. It's like if you get into the moral situation of things, like if there's something so as objectively as like you, you're looking at the weight and you're like, can I lift the weight up in the air and then put it back down? Right. As to something such more metaphysical as like the morality of actions where you're like, ah, these circumstances, I have reached the breaking point where I seriously cannot continue on. It's like, okay, we like to chicken out of things, right? Like we need to take the easy road out and not make the hard choices. Um, so I guess my question is like, how do you know that like those circumstances, like really, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause the proportion isn't saying like, yeah. moral relativism. They're saying the, the <clears throat> circumstances dictate. It's like, why don't you leave the circumstances and the culpability of said circumstances up to God? And you just worry about trying to do the right thing. And then when you don't relying on his mercy and forgiveness, you know, when you do fall, like, I'm not trying to make it so blithe as like, why don't you just do that? Dumbass. But like, there's an element to it where it's like, oh no, I've, I have adjudicated for myself that this circumstances was the cult was like the negligible fact or not, not was an un whatever. I'm not even going to make any sense. Mike, just you say you take something. I need new No, I, I'm just I'm I'm really sorry. I don't know. I'm, I need to smoke. That's why I'm coughing so much. So exactly. Um, I, I, I need to smoke. That's why I'm coughing so much. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I I'm listening to the two of you talk. Is this 
Is this the first instance where there could, there could be a, a no Michael argument, and they could just be a, a Peter and, and Thomas? But anyways, um, are we are. We, I mean, Peter, you're not. You're not. You're not. <laughs> but okay. from what the sound of, from the from the sound of it is that Peter, like, you're saying that, like, hey, I don't agree with this point of view that out of the article about Pope Francis. Not not you disagree with the article, right? You, you disagree with if this is the case. I disagree with this point of view, and then you're also saying, but hey. If we're being honest, we've kind of been doing this thing for a really long time. That that yeah, that's kind of, that is basically what's summing up what I was saying. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. Thomas, you're saying this article rules because it very well describes Pope Francis, his views, and kind of how we're pretty sure is why things are the way they are. Yeah, I think it's like like the like peeking under the hood and seeing how the engine works. But you have no problem with the fact that it, there is what, what, what's the term? Proportional? No, no. I just I just totally explained why I think proportionalism is like can, is, exactly. So can you have no an problem, aspect of can literally be no an aspect of pride that, that, that this article is 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 labeling Francis Pope, our, our Pope as as a proportionalist. I think I mean I think it makes sense. I mean yeah. when you read a, a Morris whatever the last word is that starts with an L A or something like yeah it seems to make sense and it also vibes with every like all the like the the cardinal picks he makes yeah it also makes the makes it makes sense that he's like supported father james martin who has explicitly said that he doesn't want to say father james martin he doesn't okay okay calm down (laughs) calm down Mike. he doesn't because father martin will not say that he doesn't think saying that um homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered yeah like he says he doesn't want to use that type of language and he doesn't think it's productive okay i can grant you that that like as leading off, like that might not be the best way to like talk to people about the thing. But I also think that's also like deep down what he thinks. Yeah. So um, it also then just, it helps to explain why, why like, and again, this is very much, again, I I realized through the perspective of the American church and not like the other Cardinals he's made. Um, But yeah, no, I, I, yeah. So, I don't know, Mike. What are your thoughts? You you haven't given us a lot of thoughts. You've no, like, tried wanna, to moderate. Well, how do you? No, I, yeah, whatever. I'm trying to moderate. Sure, fine, whatever, whatever you want to say. I, right. don't have, I don't have as much gin at my disposal as you do, grad student. But oh my gosh, um, you have more money, so you could have better gin. <laughs> I, I just, you're not wrong. But I will say, I will I'm still say, waiting on my bourbon. You promised me. I, oh, you said oh. it in a podcast. You would get by me a bottle of bourbon. I was waiting the, for it, and you never. Wait will be, it. It'll be worth the wait. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I, I would not dare say that I, I have, I have explicit dollar amount being saved away each paycheck for such things, but I would never say such things. But if I, if I were to say such things, they would be true. Anyways, <clears throat> um, regarding the issue here at hand, I'm curious now about Thomas, what you're saying in relationship to what Peter is. Do you think that, that our, like the church's understanding of like, say, oh. like let's, say, let's say death and killing and yeah. murder, war, all these sorts of things is the same issue. No, this is, so this is, I guess, where maybe me and Peter can argue a little bit if you, if okay. you want, Peter. I think that if you read the scriptures, there's a lot of, especially in the Old Testament, which is like pretty base, by the way. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of killing and there's a lot of commanding that of God to kill people. Um, like, Canaanites cities like yeah it's it happens throughout it and I think what we can so that's but derive that's, from it is that 
killing is a serious action, but not necessarily a morally bad action. That it's not something that should be done lightly, but that it is in the killing same way, in the same so in the same way, in the same way that sex is not morally wrong, obviously, or else we wouldn't <laughs> we wouldn't exist. But it's an incredibly important action. And well, that therefore is yes, confined, be. confined to a certain circumstance. Oh man! Okay, so you see what um, I'm saying here? This is this is where I'm. This is where I'm yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. You freaking instigator. <laughs> All right, I think that it's very now. Look, I I I will I'll be careful not to lead people into heresy here. But oh, I we think could do that. Like that's on there. That's that there. No, no, no. I mean, I, I circumstantially really listen to our podcast. <laughs> that's their issue. Which you <laughs> um. Look, I think it's a very interesting point that you just made, Thomas, but I think it is a proportionalist argument. God gives a command, thou shalt not kill. But in certain circumstances, it is moral and good in God's eyes to kill, depending on the circumstances. And so you have a... Yeah, okay. Continue, no, continue. Keep okay. on, keep on. I need to look at the volume. When you have a... When you have a, a law that's one of the ten that is... Thou shalt not kill, and it's not unless I say otherwise, or unless it's the Canaanites, or unless it's, you know, in defense of Israel. It's thou shalt. Now, somebody might come back and say, well, the actual definition of kill is this or that. Fine. I, 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 we can talk about that, but I'd say if you have a God who lays down a law, thou shalt not kill. And then in later chapters, says go and do bantam warfare against the canaanites and kill even their calves you have situational morality there and it's i would say a proportionalist argument for the morality of killing it's based on their situation i and i think it's i don't know how you would argue against that i don't know i thomas I'm looking up the Latin. It's like non ochides. <laughs> we got to look at the Hebrew. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, I've got only one ancient language under my belt. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, no, so that would be interesting. The Hebrew is like, if it, I've heard some people argue that it says thou shalt not murder. Okay. And if it's thou shalt not murder, I don't know. That kind of changes well, the situation a little bit. I, I mean, y- y- well, it's a, it's a very, well, okay. So, then why is it this is my question then in the church's wisdom mm-hmm. why then would they or translate it to kill i mean protestants what? probably protestants peter what, why would they what in the if the now okay maybe i'm showing my ignorance and maybe the maybe the catholic translation in the vulgate is murder. all right we need to I don't pull know. a blue letter bible here. <laughs> let's look up let's pull up the vulgate and see how the vulgate no no she does well the um the dewey rames translates it is thou shalt not kill Oh, she didn't. Okay. What, what's right. RSV? <laughs> <laughs> like, which one are we going? With? So, if the church lays down a translation in her in her holy wisdom, yeah, and it says kill and not murder, I think now we have a problem with situational morality. Hmm. And now, I don't know if that now, dear listener, please be aware, I'm not arguing against the Bible. I'm just saying that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think that, okay, so we have this 
I, I think that now there is space within Christianity to say there are situations where like you can't that there are explicitly evil acts that can be done for a greater good given the circumstance. And I and uh, I don't know. I, I I don't think that that's necessarily wrong, but I do think it is kind of problematic if you're taking a natural law stance where there are things that you should never do. Okay, so you said there are things that can be done. There are evil things that can be done. Okay, so <clears throat> first off, ends justify the means. I mean, but is it if the ends are coming from God? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Really? Okay. Another thing is, is as far as I have understood, yeah, the Ten Commandments and all of our understanding of sin and what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, is an understanding of a dichotomy of like of like like an absolute black and absolute white. Right. Obviously, the gray area is the human existence and human experience, and the fact that we all like we're all like we don't live in a vacuum. We are not jars. We're not brains in a jar. Right. Like we are, we are actually living with circumstances and, and, and complications and things that I'm sure uh, Pope Francis would, you know, would, would be talking about and is talking about and has yeah. sympathy towards. Now, God did say, "You are with me, or you are against me." So the, there is a dichotomy. There is a black and there is a white. Yep. Now, <clears throat> as far as I've understood it, in my entire life, short short life that I've lived is that things laid out in the Ten Commandments and in uh, our tradition of, of you know, you know, 2000, 2000 year church, um, uh, that like things that we consider to be sins and are raised and understood to be sins are good, bad, evil, wrong, right, whatever. It doesn't explicitly mean. So like when it says don't like, so there's only 10 commandments. Right. But there are a vast number of things that as Catholics, as believing faithful Catholics, we would consider sins. Absolutely. Yeah. Because why? <clears throat> because of the conditional circumstances, or they just happen to be wrapped up in those 10 things they said. So if we're going to go so letter of the law as to say never kill, but then say killing is always wrong, it's a sin, it's evil. But then to look into the scriptures, both old, new, whatever. And say, well, God commanded people to be dead. Right. God had his own son die. God commanded people to kill other people. That's an evil. So God is com committing an evil. Now, you know, there are some people who be like, well, you know, God can do whatever the heck he wants. But as far as, as, far as the Catholic Church's teachings is that, as far as I've understood it in at least my formation, yeah, yeah. Is, is that God is incapable of committing an evil. So we are then stuck with an option. Is God then commanding people to go kill other people? That's not an evil. But all killing of all other people is an evil. Or are we saying, well, when we say thou shalt not kill, there is a definable or distinctable like, difference between what killing is. So killing in murder, killing, you know, uh, killing in self-defense, killing in war. So is not the long-standing church tradition just the authority given to the church and it's faithful a long 2000 history definition of how we interact with this teaching of god 
because of you know how prevalent death and killing and war is war never changes war is always the same it's always with us just like the poor i mean like it's a long-standing defined redefined tradition is that not the case is it is it like oh this just happens to be you know the but situation? It, i mean well no it, i mean i i still don't understand how that's not situational i guess <clears throat> So it's very, it's very, very different than saying like, well, you know, these people in their circumstances have diminished culpability for doing this absolute evil thing. So this, this, like this thing is absolutely wrong. Oh, so, oh, so you're saying that, oh, I, I, I apologize. Okay. I understand what you're saying. I, I get it now. Um, you're saying the killing in certain circumstances is not evil yes. instead of saying it is evil, but your culpability is limited or it's yes. eliminated. I got you. I yeah. got you. No, I'm sorry for if yeah, I wasn't yeah. clear. No, no, no. I, you're clear now. I got you. Okay. <clears throat> so, like, how do we address how do we address those two things? So, like, yeah. God, God issued something, and it wasn't evil when He issued it, but it's evil in all other cases, right? Or we could say, well, God issued an evil thing. So, how do we deal with that? Or do we say, no, it's not evil, but it's evil in these ways? That's a that that's a really interesting. That it's very, very interesting. I, I don't know. <laughs> See, I mean, if we're going to take an Old Testament view, I mean, like you said, like, I mean, obviously, Sodom and Gomorrah, Noah's flood, yeah. like, yeah, it's full of it. God, oh man, I, I, I think what's difficult. I, I think, and I'm trying, and I don't, th- this is definitely an interesting question. I, and I don't know the answer right now. Are we relative think- this? Is, is, is it, is that's God's truth. God's truth is that those people, that's not actually murder. That was just, that well, was just I cold. think that in God's justice, our truth. Right. Well, look, I, I think an, an, a very clear way I can walk through this is, is say that God as the ultimate judge can issue punishment on people who are not, you know, cause there is, Yes. A real punishment for sin. I think yeah. that if you're going to be if you're going to be Catholic and believe that there is a just God, there is punishment. There is there's justice. Yeah. Um. So that's that's fine. Um. The pr- I think what gets a little fuzzy here is the church's opinion on. Well, I don't know. I, okay. And I need to not conflate things here. So, okay. No, conflate away. No, 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 no. Because I, <laughs> I really don't want to muddy the It doesn't water. matter. I think this is, a, this is a good topic, and I think that this it's really important that we stay clear here. Um, okay, so Christ. It's interesting that we don't get this in the Bible, though. I guess is where I'm, because... No. Definitions? Like, in the New no. Testament, where you don't get really any, like... Like, like ideas of killing people. Well, I mean, Christ talks about, you know, like not only should you not kill each other, but like don't even call each other stupid. Like yeah, turn the other cheek. Like it's yeah. he's I mean, the teachings of Christ are very much pacifist. Like, mm. and he's not now okay. Well, pacifist in a term of like you you're not supposed to kill people, you're not supposed to be mean to people and turn the other cheek. And where you a lot of the context that's applied to that doesn't come from the evangelists or the apostles. It comes from church fathers and later thinkers, Yeah, which 
That's fine. That's all part of the magisterium. I'm not saying that that's not legit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But within the context of the New Testament, we don't get like a, well, unless you are a king or unless, you know, you're defending your house or, you know, it's always like, no, you want to follow me. You got to sell all your stuff and make the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. And so. So then what the heck are we doing with the podcast? I, I, you know, yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, Wait, this is a podcast. I thought we just like were talking on a Zoom call. <laughs> yeah. so, I didn't even know we were. Recording. I forgot we weren't in the same room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so it's kind of. I mean, that's where I think it's kind of interesting. Where you know, Christ's message was very radical. I mean, you know, it yeah. went against a lot of stuff, and so it's. I, and so, oh, it, yeah, without saying that the church is wrong, it's also just kind of like, did, was there a moral theology that was developed in the late antiquity, early yes. medieval church that yes. allowed, yes, right? Is that no, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, like, like the idea of like people fighting in war and it being justified is totally something that develops. Right. You know, like that's, there's no yeah. way around it. Like, I mean, but I mean, like, first of all, you don't really have that issue when you're you know a bunch of people hanging out in the mediterranean region and you don't really have to deal with that issue because you've got a bunch of roman soldiers who are fighting at the borders it's completely different right when the roman emperor is himself a christian and the whole culture is christian then you've got to figure out okay how do we work with this situation i mean i guess in many ways you might almost be able to say it's similar to like the issue of contraception where it's like you don't really have to worry about that issue at first, and then you have to make a ruling on it and a decision on like how is it actually going to work. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, actually, now we're part of a society where we might actually have to fight people and defend, you know, these cities. And then you're gonna have to develop a concept of like, I want to say like holy war, but the idea of like just war at least, of like when is it justified to to end another human being's life? I don't know. So I, I do I think. To- Mm-hmm, go ahead. Oh, go sorry, I, I interrupt you, Thomas. No, it was pointless. It was inane. So, okay, so, uh, and this might not have an immediate answer. We might have to look this up. But the idea of just warfare is not like I said. It, it does come from people like Augustine, and it comes from all. I mean, pagan influence, really, right? I mean. I don't not know. I'm not, Augustine was. Ha- you, I'm sure there's people who have written books on like the development of like the acceptance yeah. of being part of the army and part of the military and like having to actually kill some people. Like, I, but I'm not up to date on that in any way, shape, or form. Well, I mean, I and let me be clear. Uh, obviously, Augustine w- was a great Christian, a Catholic writer, but like, let's he was pulling on a lot of worldviews when he was developing his stuff. And if there wasn't anything in the Bible then he would have had to have gone to extra biblical sources mm-hmm. to develop his views on the city state and like the, the role of the government. I mean, um, Augustine believes that it's morally permissible to use force against heretics. See, now that's it. Now, okay, let's, let's focus in on this. I mean, that's been a long time. Let's focus in on this right here. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of your view of just war, let's talk about the use of force against heretics. Do we <laughs> have to talk, the church we talk about the anymore? fact that I found the French translation for Exodus 2013? Does that matter to anyone? <laughs> it's like, so, <laughs> something so, like that. Okay. I don't know. Pont. Augustine 
you can say, okay, fine, Augustine wasn't a pope, and he wasn't speaking ex cathedra when he's talking about that. But there's maybe from hippo. What's that? <laughs> maybe from hippo, he's speaking from his own chair. That's, yeah, this or Milan. <laughs> um, yeah. Or no, he, no, Ambrose is Milan. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ambrose is Milan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ambrose is Milan. Um, but uh, focusing in on this idea that like let's burn heretics. Obviously, this is not what Christ was teaching. Like a hundred percent, there's absolutely zero. Like, if Christ says you without sin throw the first stone against the adulterous woman, like, where do we get burn a heretic out of anything that's like Christian? Maybe if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it in. Cut the your throat. own hand off, not cut somebody. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe maybe if you didn't pluck out your own eye. Right? Like, yeah, I mean, no, I think it's. Enough. I mean. So that's where I, I mean, this it's, I think what I, I think where I'm getting to is that humanity is very violent and it's very, we, I think we have to be careful when we're like saying, if we're going to take this morality and be like, um, you know, I, I think it, it can be very disheartening to people who are looking at the church and then looking at a morality and then being like, well, how is it that you created this justification for all these all this barbarity? All this Barbar- barbarism. Barbarity. Barbarity. But- barbarism. That's the I word, gentlemen. I know. It's quicker. Barbarism. It's quicker and it flows off the tongue. Both better. of you. My gosh. Well, like, I was doing it because of, I was doing it because of me referencing. <laughs> um, for all this barbarism. Him, what can I say? Where did you guys go to college? <laughs> Same place you did, Mike. <laughs> It was in the woods of Virginia. We didn't speak. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <The> hillbillies. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think I've been kind of wandering down this rabbit hole for a while. Do you guys have any kind of feedback to kind of get us back on track to... Oh, Thomas, actually. So we were talking about this before. You were talking about the Byzantine, East, yep. like the Eastern Orthodox. Early... Ah, they're all heretics and schismatics. <laughs> they are apostolic, though. And <laughs> yes, so... They, uh, Thomas told me this, and I, I don't have a source of this, but he said that soldiers who killed in defense of the Byzantine Empire were prohibited from communion until they, until they received, uh, or I, until they received I believe it was until they had received some sort of purification, some sort of purification. Maybe it wasn't a remission of, or maybe it wasn't. I'm not sure, but, but like, but like eventually though, the Byzantine Empire, when they're being surrounded by the Muslims on like all sides, they do, they do figure out like a system of just war. Right. Right. They do figure out a way of, you know, all that. And like, even if you go like, but to isn't the that litur- all just but so even, very, here's the thing. If you, but here's the difference though. If you, if you go to the liturgy of John Chrysostom, right. Yeah. Um, and you go to an Eastern right. Like it's been eye opening going to Ukrainian parish during like the the um during the invasion of Ukraine, because for a while and I think they've cut off. Maybe they need to bring it up again because Ukraine is starting to lose. But like they literally pray for that the enemy may be repulsed out of the borders of Ukraine. They're not just being like may they all be kept safe and like nice right. and happy and everyone's fine and chill and they all make it home. They're like no. These these soldiers are like the servants of God, and they need to repulse the invaders back across the border into Russia from wherever they came. Um, and so it's interesting seeing that, um, as opposed to where we might kind of pray for peace. Like, no, the Ukrainian the Ukrainians were they're praying literally for victory. 
Like there's there's no like moral kind of like neutrality on it. They're like, no, we want well, we want to win. So and, I don't know. Like, yeah. So but like that's definitely yeah. a role in it. But I feel like I mean, again, a lot of these things, they do develop over time. So. And so I, I think. All right, good. I and obviously, you know, you look at the Psalms. Prayer for victory over enemies is like almost through the whole thing. Yes. And Only so sustain me through grad school. Yep. <laughs> um, and I'm not I, I am not going to sit here and be like, I think that the Ukrainians or anyone should allow their enemies to kill them and their families. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, because <laughs> turn the other cheek, Peter. Well, this You're is where absolute I... freaking hypocrite. <laughs> oh, oh no, 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 no. no. And, and I continue. I so you guys still want you gave the Spanish translation of that? What are, you, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Just like like wave your, your like I don't My know white flag of surrender and yeah, and be like yeah. no, please don't hurt us. Don't hurt us. Install your. I'm not, yeah. and, I'm, and I'm not saying don't fight them because I mean sure you can fight them without killing them, but if you fight them without <laughs> killing them, then your whole family's probably gonna die. Yeah. No, it's so true. No, it absolutely is true. So, I, so, so, are you prepared? Are you prepared to say that yes, we should lay down? No, I'm not. Why? I, why? Why? Why, why I, not? Are you guys so, sure you don't want the translation of like in French of yeah, Exodus yeah, 2013? No, <laughs> so, my my other thing is is like, so what's what's the Saint Leo the Great's uh, theological huge understanding theological changes on the Eucharist? Well, so what? Like, what? What? What are? No, 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 Thomas. Thomas, hear me out. What's the development in church doctrine? What's the de- development in church's definitions and theology? What is development at all in our understandings past the creation of the Bible, which didn't happen until like five years after, uh, 500 years after, like, <laughs> it's like well, five years, of so 500 years time. after Jesus. So like, Maybe not I mean, like, but... five, yeah, like, five, yeah, it's like 500, 300, give it 300, 300. Okay. 300 yeah. years after Jesus. So like, so like, so we we have we have a separate separation between what Jesus said and all the writings made about what Jesus said. We have separation between that the compilation uh, compilation of all the scriptures and writings into what we have as the Bible. Then we have you know from then you know fourteen hundred years until things were taken out, and then we have two kind of separate you know lineages of the Bible and, and family mm-hmm. trees. And then we have what we read in either you know our own tongue or in Latin. Now. When we look at those things and we look at what we heard of the scriptures, we look at like the writings, the church fathers have been translated time and time and again. We look at all of this stuff. What the heck is. Tra- Mike, oh. you muted. Oh, no. What the heck? No, that is clumsiness and alcoholism. What the heck is, what the heck is like development of, of theology? Like what the heck is like is like why, why do we need a lineage of popes? if not to reaffirm and redefine things. I mean, like, what's the point? So I, I just think this whole idea that this is all just happenstance and like, well, we're, 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 what was the term again in the article? Proportionalism. 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 Yeah. Started the whole thing. To say that this is all just proportionalism, I think is, is a huge misrepresentation mm. of, of, the last 2000 years of human history. So, okay. This is, oh, okay. So to say that, what I've been talking about is proportionalism is a misrepresentation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you because know, if you I, went against proportionalism, like you kind of described earlier. Yeah. That, and you're so saying like, well, it's the same thing regarding killing and death and like murder or war or combat. Then why not? Why not take that same attitude and apply it to more things in church 
church teachings and and developments. Well, I think what's really important what I wanted to be okay. What I'm attempting to do okay. Throughout the throughout my throughout my mental exercise, I'm attempting to draw the differences. Mm-hmm. The real differences between things as serious as taking a life and sexual morality okay. and why the church can allow for a doctrinal development for that and why it wasn't just people who wanted to be able to still conquer each other and um, set that apart against, well, people just want to live together and love each other. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there, we need mm-hmm. to be able to say why this is okay and why yeah. this isn't because it, this would be a doctrinal development as well. Yeah. If if the Francis pontificate survives and his successors continue down this path, yeah. this would be considered doctrinal yep. and it would be considered a, a change in the way the church approaches a so, morality. So yeah, that's no, I, what I'm, I'm hoping to accomplish here. And I, I think somebody who has an idea of the development of like killing um, would also could point to that. So I think that's a fair point, Peter, to like preemptively bring that up for us to like whack around yeah i don't i think i think killing is a lot easier to define and understand and like you know parse out than uh and like conceptually universally like using like using like you know genus species like i I think it's a lot easier to define that uh than uh that's all all, but it's the human intimacy but how is that different i I just don't understand talk over each other more this is awesome Uh, i don't understand how getting into the weeds with like Aristotelian moral philosophy where you, where you create, you know, well, if it's in this specific situation, it's moral. If it's in this situation, it's not moral. How that's different than from proportionalism, because that's essentially what it's arguing is that in certain circumstances, it's not even, it it is okay. But that's not what proportionalism is. Am I wrong, Thomas? Wait, what, what is proportionalism? proportionalism? Proportionalism is okay. I'm sorry if I if I'm misunderstanding it. I I just totally screwed up. From the article of the astute uh, Doctor Larry Chap, it's an awesome name. It's like it's like one level below being called Larry Chad, like Larry (laughs) Chap. Like it's a more astute version of being called Larry Chad. Anyway, proportionalism denies. This is like I feel like I'm calling it out in debate. Um. Proportionism denies that there are intrinsically evil acts and that the morality of an action can only be judged in light of its outcomes or consequences. Catholic proportionalists do not deny that there are indeed foundational moral principles, which is how it it differs from straight up and unvarnished utilitarianism, but that in the light of rational adjudication of potentially likely outcomes, a moral principle can be denied as applicable in a particular instance if there is, quote unquote, proportional reason for doing so. Outcomes and consequences versus versus not outcomes, not consequences. It has to do with the actual act that is being done. So, okay, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I read another paragraph? Can I read another paragraph real quick? Yeah. There's another point, and this is him. This is him less giving a definition, but then talking about Pope Francis. Pope Francis seems to embrace a form of moral reasoning closely allied with proportionalism that says that in the concrete circumstances of life, circumstances which are often complex, difficult, and messy, a person's ability to live the objective moral law might be so limited that he or she may indeed be inculpable for any moral guilt and may in fact be doing what God wills for them in his or her concrete existence, despite what the objective moral norms teach. In other words, the moral principle in question is affirmed, but it may be set aside in certain complex cases that present us with a proportionate reason for doing so. 
this is different from, quote unquote, inculpable ignorance of the principles in question, since the principle is known and infirmed, but is just, quote, set aside in this instance, end quote. So that's okay, the so, difference. There. Right, so but, first no. off, that like that second part was a take, not not a definition. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That this, was like, this, that... this what I just quoted. This is all his take. Yeah, yeah. So but, but the first thing like, was, was was an attempt of a quote and the uh, not a quote of, of a definition. Definition, yeah, on his. And part. The other part was a take on that on yeah. the situation. <laughs> okay, okay. So, and please, I, I'm I'm open to pushback here, but Peter, you're freaking you're, wrong. <laughs> you're saying that okay. So they're saying the the um the outcomes are what dictate the the morality right well, and that's consequences what and outcomes yeah, the consequences and outcomes the circumstances can circumstances. at times set aside the absolute like, moral exactly modalities. yeah which kind of so, fits with peter's point about killing because no. yeah well <laughs> I, i'm about to say why i think so because you take an aristotelian approach or we're going to take we're going to split things up into genuses how are how are we defining self-defense how is it that self-defense changes? How, how is it that killing changes from self-defense to murder? The action is the same. It's the circumstances in the moment, at that moment, that make it moral or not moral. It's the circumstances. That's true. But I think, hmm, shoot. <clears throat> okay. Not not to play a linguistic or uh, let's play let's play linguistic let's, let's play here boy let's play. argumentative <laughs> trick here but uh, do you believe in the consequent of double effect? Um what? yeah no, I, I think so I think so yeah okay all right well I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna use it as a as a whipping post but I will say that like in self defense the like the whole idea of like self defense is that your your desire is not to kill this person to kill this person. Your desire is to protect, defend, or preserve your own life. Like, like again, like let's yes. let's look at the hero, the hero uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, the hero Kyle Rittenhouse in his defense. Oh no 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 no! Let's not do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Uh, sorry. Fine. 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 Anyways, <laughs> a different example. He's in mortal danger, <clears throat> like Kyle Rittenhouse, and <laughs> that that you're in this position, and you're under fear of your own life. Sure. Yeah. What you're trying to do is not kill the other person but stop the other person from doing whatever it is that they're doing and okay. that okay. leads to death so in that example you killed somebody but would you be more morally culpable because your intention was not to kill them necessarily okay but necessarily, right. not necessarily but okay i hear you okay uh, oh no sorry i, I apologize i shouldn't interrupt you. Mike, no 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 please let's all interrupt and talk over each other no 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 okay so i i i think that's a good point where like a self-defense criminal self-defense is my intention was not to kill them. It was to uh, stop a threat mm -hmm. that that's like, that is a, a solid defense, but let's say that's not the person's intent. Let's say they're getting attacked and their intent is their intent is I'm going to kill this person because they're attacking me and I'm totally fine with doing that. I, you know, it's, it's done in anger. It's done in, in malice. It's done like, you know, with the intention of killing that person nope, and it's nope. in self-defense. No, nope, no, nope, not why, why the heck will we talk about that when there's a beautiful example, beautiful example of someone killing somebody and it not being absolutely morally reprehensible. So, so let's talk about why killing somebody, let's say by accident, let's say 
let's say in self-defense with not no intent. It's not by accident. Like I'm deliberately doing something that could kill them. Yeah. I'm not doing it to kill them. I'm doing it to stop them from doing what they're doing, which is some sort of evil, right? They're attacking me. Yeah. They're hurting me. Right. I'm defending myself. And like, I mean, you could punch okay, somebody. But punch it's somebody okay, but we're, we're, we're dancing around it. Have you seen It's imp- still the circumstance, though. Ah. It's still the circumstance. So, no, no, my point is, my point is, is, can you kill somebody, not by accident, but not intending that they die? Wait, it's what? definitely possible. So I, I think, yes, I, I definitely think that that's possible. But we're still talking about circumstances around how you are ending somebody's life, determining the morality of it. No, I'm trying to understand what your like what your view on kill like killing somebody is because is killing somebody in all cases wrong in every possible conceivable case wrong. It is an evil. Yes, it is an no, evil. No, no, no. Is it wrong? Is it morally wrong? Yeah, in to certain levels. Certain levels. I would no. I, I, I would say okay. You accidentally drop a hammer off scaffolding and you and it kills a guy. You didn't intend to do it. You feel horrible. It wasn't it your sin? intention. What's that? Is it a sin? If are you culpable? I think that can we use Dick in the most limited way. Yes, no. if he did kill that. In guy. the most <laughs> limited way, I think yes. I think you do. You are not an automaton. Venial. I, I would say that you would probably need to rectify yourself with that person and God. Even for a mistake. Well, they're dead. So you can't really rectify yourself with that person. Well, oh, come on. This is the body of Christ. We're still kind of. I I don't think that you walk away from that situation without some sort of guilt. Even if you are not completely severed from God. That's totally different than moral culpability. I don't give a crap about your guilt. Totally different than moral culpability. Mm. Unless you want to start talking about conscience, which again is still different than moral culpability for the act. So, okay. But you know, I don't know why I think that that's kind of interesting. Just, and I'm going to push back a little bit. What does Paul say about the natural law or God's law? I should say, what does Paul say about God's law? That's written on man's heart. Mm-hmm. And so that if mm. you drop a hammer and kill somebody on accident, you feel guilt. If that's written on your heart and that's what you feel, isn't there a certain level of, man, that was my action. That was my negligence that led to somebody's death. And I need to, rectify myself either to his family or to God, because I can, I caused evil, whether or not you, but it's like, it's an evil in the sense that like, it's, it's a post fall evil. I think. Yeah. And it's a deprivation of a good, but it's not necessarily a sin. Like, no, I don't think you're separating yourself from God. Like I don't yeah. th- like that because that is a deliberate act that you do. You, you deliver. Well, then you're a proportionalist, just like Pope Francis. Why, why do you think well, that? No, well, because the Bible no, says, "Thou shalt not kill." No, thou shalt not murder. Half the translations say, "Thou shalt not murder." <laughs> yeah, probably the King James. King James. <laughs> that was written by a murderous king yeah. <laughs> who yeah. wanted an excuse to kill the Irish. No, <laughs> I, like "Thou shalt not murder" is like an easy conversation. Well, if, well, if it says that, then we have yep. a very we have a very easy easy, easy. Uh, English standard point. version says. But it. if a huge proportion of scripture. Is defined is uh, is translated and defined as "that shall not kill." Then let's talk about that translation. I think so, I, and I think it's an interesting discussion. Now, all right, I, I I will stop waffling and I'll try and take a stand on at like um, this idea of whether or not all killing is sin. Uh-huh. I will. I I don't know. 
no, I, I, I will say that that would be a, a bridge too far to try and defend that position. Okay. Um, accidental things, being involved in car accidents, dropping hammers, negligence where you had no intention of doing that. I, I think, yeah, ob- there's no moral culpability there. Um, I, I, I don't take that, but I would say if we're, I think it's, and if you disagree, let me know, but I, I think it's probably fair to say that when God was laying down the 10 commandments, he wasn't talking about accidental death, which I'm sure happened all the time in the old Testament. Totally agree. Yeah. I, this was an intentional, you are taking somebody's life. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Okay. So Narrowing that scope a little bit, we're we're talking about Scope's thou shalt not kill is self-defense mm-hmm. more in line with accidental non-moral, no moral culpability, or is it in the gray area where it's like, well, it kind of depends on your intention, or is it in the camp with you shall not kill? And it is covered under that law. Um, and it's, and I, and I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent. I don't want to put it with like no moral culpability because I do think that there is a, I think that there is a, a Catholic and alert and, you know, Catholic with a big C tradition yeah, yeah. that taking somebody's life is <laughs> big T, but yeah. What's that big T tradition. Well, I meant big C Catholic, like or okay. like the, the whole universal, like okay, okay. all of Christendom. Um, that we are that like taking somebody's life, whether or not it's in self-defense or not, is a deprivation of good. Yes. And that you are respond and if you are the one you are not an automaton, yes. you are taking you are doing something that is depri- de- depriving good and committing and you can't say that the deprivation of good is not some sort of evil because it it is whether or not you are. That's what evil is. Evil right. is, is, is deprivation from good. Right. So you, you are participating in an evil of sorts. Yep. And so does that mean you are sinning? I think is where we need to get to. I think that's kind of where we're, we're kind of walking around this question. Is it, is, is, is it always a sin to be participating to in intentionally evil. kill somebody to intentionally, whether it's in so, I, look, if the, you're going to pick up a gun, even in self-defense and your intention is not to kill that person. But if you fire a gun at somebody, you have to know that you're going to destroy that thing. And you can't pretend that you're not going to No, You have like, to know you can destroy that thing. Oh, come on, man. No, you no, no. Your intention, lights, man, you never point a gun at anything that you are not willing to destroy. You might not. That's like that's basic gun no, that's protocol. Basic. Like you you never no, come on, Joe Biden. Protocol. People think certain like people call semi uh full fully semi-automatic rifles. <laughs> what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> but but like no, no, no. it you sounds like you're saying it, no. Mike, it sounds a little bit like you're saying to Joe Biden, like, well, why can't they just shoot him in the leg kind of thing? You're like, Yeah, no, that's, dude, you don't that's not no. how it works. Like anything you aim a weapon at, you have to be willing to destroy. Mm-hmm. That's like, not true. Pe- people, people do it to, to look tough. People, pe- people, people do it, do it but they shouldn't be because, like that's... because they're scared. People do it for all sorts of reasons other than I like I need to kill this person or I will die. OK, but 
If you are people going to police officers point their gun at people that they could granted, granted, they could fully intend to like or are willing to kill that person. No, they definitely are. No, no, no. Are you willing to say that in all cases, completely across the board? I'm okay. going to say that the training I pull this gun because I am intending to kill you. Or not intending, this, willing, this person, willing. No, even then, some a police officer could pull a gun and not be willing to kill someone. They could pull a gun because they're like, "Hey, this can is we, a scary freaking thing." Can we, can, doing. can we? Can we? Can we define it better? If you pull the trigger, if you pull the trigger, maybe not necessarily point the gun, but if you pull no, the trigger, I'm not willing to say that. I'm not willing to say that. Really. Yeah, because you could you could you could pull the trigger and 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 be pointing at somebody and like not not know what's going to happen or not understand the damage the bullet can do. Okay. Or All right. Look, not, if you not are a cop, that 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 thing is going to be anything but a deterrent. Like you, there's so many intricacies to human interaction. Okay. I look. I, I okay. Fine. In in the complex fabric that mm-hmm. we live in, there are plenty of people who can pull and pull guns and pull triggers, not knowing the full effect of what. Of what they're doing, like the hero cop. What's that? Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. <laughs> written house. Listen to okay. the recording. Okay. All right. <laughs> now this is my this is my point, and I'm going to make it again. Anybody that I've spoken to, and in my own training that I've done, you never aim your weapon at anything that you are not willing to destroy, because that gun can go off. That gun, without you pulling the trigger, it is a very serious thing. And so if you have a cop who doesn't know that their nine millimeter is very likely going to end somebody's life if they pull it because it is now a hot weapon that has the potential to go off, then they probably shouldn't be a cop. Yes. And so or they should, you know, have a different job. Yes. Anybody who's standing around with their AR looking cool, like, uh, you know, I mean, oh, wait, that, I mean like the Uvalde. Trying uh, to give medical department. assistance to people, put out, you know, dumpster fires. <laughs> okay. Okay, Mike. We're going to have to cut out so much of this. <laughs> get your point, Mike. Can we get your point? <laughs> um, but the, um, no, I, I, I look, the more, so I, 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 I get your point that it is possible to do that on a culpability standpoint, but I'm just, I, my point stands that if you are aiming a weapon at somebody, you should, it, it's an, you are expressing to that person that you're willing to kill them. Let's put it that way. If somebody is aiming your weapon at them, right. they're thinking you're willing to kill them. Okay. I mean, if they're, yeah, if they're thinking that, if they're the right mind, sure. But my, right. my if they're, okay. Yeah. If they are not high or out of their mind, yes, great. they are like, oh, this person is now willing to kill me. So I think that that is, that is the message you are sending to that person. But I'm willing the, to kill you the, if you don't stop what you're doing. What, what, is, what does that mean about anything? Because the whole point is about like actually killing the person. <laughs> okay. So how did, so now we got to walk back to how we got there. Um, so we were talking about killing people. Intentionally, yes. and is it always sinful? Right, right, right. So we're talking about is it always sinful to do that? And oh, right. And then you, oh, I remember. So you had made the point that you can use a weapon without intending to kill somebody, and I contend that that is largely untrue. Untrue. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that's how we got to that rabbit hole. That's now, how we got to that point. I, I think that, that it is a fine. Like a very we've climbed out. We've climbed okay. out. Watership down style. Yes. We've climbed out of the rabbit hole. <laughs> so we, I, I think that that point is a fine 
criminal defense where you can say my intention, I did not go into the situation doing this. But at the end of the day, you know that you have the potential to that, like, it's still in your like. A reasonable, per, reasonable person knows that a weapon has the potential to kill somebody if it's used. Yeah. Like, and so whether or not you intend, you walked out that door intending to do it or not in that moment, when you pulled that trigger or you pulled the gun, yeah, you were sending a message that I'm willing to end your life. Yeah. And so is it, so that that's where I think, yeah, that's, that's my point on that. Yeah, that's um, where from. Now, now about intentional killing though. Okay. Now let's try and we're two hours in. Let's try and yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. No, no, it's good. I, I, I'm still, I'm still mostly with it. Um, only the diehard listeners will, will yeah, reach this point. point. But those who are diehard that haven't liked to subscribe already should really, really click the notification bell, like and subscribe to our, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're listening to on whether it's Apple, Apple, you know, iTunes or um, uh, what is it? What's the other thing? Uh, Spotify. Spotify. Uh, Spotify. Yeah, whatever that is, you should like and subscribe. Yeah. Um, it's like, what's okay. the point of editing? It's like anyone who cared about like what we're saying, like at this point, like <laughs> has tuned out. <laughs> um, all right. So, okay. So deprivation of good is evil. Yeah. You're not an automaton. Yep. So you are participating in evil. Yep. Can you participate in evil and not commit a sin? Thomas, what do you think based on your take? Like what, where are you at with that? I still think that it has to be seen as a serious action, but not necessarily always a culpable action. And that it's a serious action because of the fall and that it would be better if that were not, if it were not to have happened, but I still go back, I don't know, to the fact that I feel like it's a serious action, but not in and of itself morally like good or bad. Um, in the same sense, well, I don't know. But thou shalt not kill, man. Let's. It's thou shalt not murder. Um, I'm, I'm going with these translations. These are the translations I prefer. <laughs> like this because is, because, this is, because the road of least resistance, the path of re- least resistance. Yeah. That's what you're doing. Um, no, it is an interesting question because when you think about something like stealing again, it's circumstantial, right? It's a circumstantial definition of goods aspect. But, but what's also not steal. So how do we get into that part? Mm-hmm. I'm starving. Who cares? You're going to hell now. You're going to die from starvation and then go to hell because you stole <laughs> Peter, you're a heartless, heartless person. No, I no, no, no. I, I, I own no. <laughs> because let's, I, well, apply, let's apply this to all of the Ten Commandments. Let's, okay, so. Can you with, no, with no. But there are definitely some that you could. Or teaching or development of doctrine. Okay, but you definitely can apply. Wait, this. wait, wait. Can we get to it? Can, can we get to adultery? <laughs> well i think can, that, can, like, I, no, so I, like can we go to adultery because this is one where it's like in what circumstance is it okay never like it's yeah exactly yeah i mean like, there's, there's no, absolutely zero there's no circumstances. circumstances where it's yeah. like yeah well or profaning was, god's name or yeah. you know i i mean they're i'd say the majority of them i think steal and kill are like Two of them that are like we've created. Do you think we should send a revised list to the Pope and be like, hey, you know what? Maybe like I think he's already writing one. A couple of these, a couple of these don't really quite make sense. So maybe we should revise Exodus. (laughs) Well, I also what I mean, I Augustine said, you know, when he came across things in the Bible that he didn't understand, he just assumed that he didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. And like, like in which I, I attempt to take that approach, but I'm. 
doing the mental exercise of trying to understand it right now. So, so, so we, we ought, so as a, as a faithful Catholic, we ought never join the military, never become a police officer. Um, uh, and, and never do anything other than try to fight. Right. So uh, no, I, I would not, say not with a weapon, no, or a deadly weapon. Well, any weapon is deadly. A bottle is deadly. If you watch it in Bruges, but so, any weapon is deadly. Like we ought to never try to like, other than like, let's say fistica. I mean, fisticuffs are deadly. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Not, you could easily kill someone. Right punching here. Absolutely. So, so I mean, well, not maybe not me, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, so, so we, so a cat, a good faithful Catholic ought to like never Mike be Tyson's a so, okay. police officer or anything like that. Never be a boxer. I would say that because we are a scripture and tradition faith that we, we can feel fine doing those things. I, 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 I'm not going to say that a cat, like if you're putting quote unquote a gun to my head, I'm going to say no, like that's not going to be my point, but I definitely am not a hundred percent clear how this doctrine developed from Christ to the medieval ages where we're burning heretics and like going on crusades and all of this. I, I don't know where, how that, like it, it would be interesting to follow that, that development because I, it's not a clear logical jump. Okay. okay. Well then I would like to end on, at least in my part on all this. Yeah. Wait, the, end? First off burning heretics and the crusades are very different burning heretics, crusades and just like our understanding of, of killing from the scriptures is very different. So both of those in themselves are very different from killing in the scriptures. And then both of them from each other are also very different things. Um, and so I, I would say that like the development of the church, I totally agree. It would be so fascinating to see how we got from point A to point B. It would yeah. so be, I mean, like I was history major at Christendom. I would love to know and understand more perfectly those things. And I yeah. don't know that I ever will. But I am not prepared to say that killing in all set, sorry, intentional killing in all aspects is 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 sinful. Okay, so to wrap up our proportionalism discussion, we could we could never end. We could bust it open more, but oh no, I, okay, actually, no, 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 we don't need to. <laughs> well, no, 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 actually, I have a, I, I want to quote um, an encyclical here before we end. I, I okay, sure. but Mike, if I understand your position. The killing of the unintentional killing does not fall into like the, the morality that we've set up around unintentional killing or self-defense killing is not a proportionalist argument because the act itself is not depend the, the act itself is not the, the two acts of taking somebody's life in self-defense and taking it in anger are different things. That's not what you're saying. Okay. No, I'm saying accidental killing does not fall into the proportionalist thing. Oh, okay. so self-defense killing. Self well, as far as you, as far as you have explained it and ar or argued against like, okay. proportionalism and all that, and like how we've defined proportionalism in the church, yeah. and how older church teachings can be equated as proportionalism. Yeah, I would say self-defense falls into that same category. Okay, accidental okay. killing. I am completely okay. saying that I don't think that yeah. should apply. Okay, I, I'm, I, I will accept that. I, I will say that that's fine. I, I think that that's okay. okay. I, I think that that's okay. And I think that if we, so we've come kind of down to this. Thomas is now folding laundry. <laughs> <laughs> Look, dude, this is what I do when I watch movies. How I justify uh, so, watching a movie at the end of the day when I'm exhausted. I'm like, you know, I do have a basket of laundry. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening. Go. Oh, oh, good. I'm just so, gonna... all right. So the question yeah. now is, 
self-defense, gotta get done sometime, guys. Even ordering people to kill people. So, like, you know, uh, capital punishment, like when you're involved in that kind of thing, you are participating in a sort of evil. Um, now, does that now does the morality that the church has set up around that equate to a proportionalist argument for morality? Or are we is this something entirely different? Is proportionality a a, uh, a a philosophical child of the Thomistic approach to moral theology, yep. or is it something completely different? No, nope, it's something completely different. So this is the issue that I've thought about for a bit now. And I realize, like, if somebody ever listens to this who knows a shred about, like, ethics is going to be kind of like, who's freaking idiots? <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. They probably um, will also think, man, I wish I was there for that conversation. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Well, if you are, email us and we can get it set up. Um, especially if you know how things develop. So if you know how to if you have shirt. a laundry folding machine, that'd be nice. I don't have to do it myself. Yeah. Anyway, so like I think it also with proportionalism, it kind of in my take in my limited understanding of ethics and things of that nature. Um, although I know modern ethics, like I'm pretty much in McIntyre's court at this point that they don't make any sense, but whatever. Um, it seems to come down to an issue of universals in the sense that <clears throat> the natural law is very much of this idea of Thomistic idea that we can extract like the gleaming nugget of like inherent this. And it, it goes with both verbs and nouns. Like we think of it, it's easier in the terms of nouns. Cause it's like, what is this thing that I have in front of me? It is a laptop. Right. And I understand it as laptop qua laptop. And if I see something that looks not like my ThinkPad, but looks like a Dell, I can still understand it as a laptop because I have understood it as qua laptop. I'm not going to use the chair example because everyone uses chair and it's awful. The whole thing with natural law seems to get into more of the verb form that we can distill individual actions, that we can distill the universal character of the universal, like killing. Right. And we yeah. can sit, take killing qua killing and say, you know, extricated from the circumstances that it is this and that, right, exactly. Um, maybe it's a degree less. I'm trying to, yeah, so I'm just, I'm wondering about it because they keep on jumping back to the adultery question because adultery at its baseline is about sex. But at what point do the circumstances are so great that they constitute an entirely new universal principle for that action? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like fornication is fornication is fornication is wrong. Conjugal embrace is the conjugal embrace, which is okay. We could say that the situation in both of those instances are different. But I wonder if in the kind of Thomistic universal sense that there are since the, that the circumstances are so ingrained into the action itself that it actually dictates it as a different universal action, even though the baseline thing, which is, you know, biological sex, right? We could just leave it at that um, is the same. And so part of me with wonders with the proportionalism is whether or not we can actually what, what proportionalism seems to be getting at is like, how can you actually remove the universal principle out of the action and is an action by its nature bound up in the idea that it always has to be linked with its circumstances? 
that we can't actually figure out the universal principle of the verb. Does that make any sense? Or should I just go back to folding, no, no, no. folding laundry? It does. No, but I, I mean, regarding, regarding the fornication thing, is, is fornication in the Ten Commandments? Wait, it's not? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Adultery is. Yeah. <laughs> News break to me, man. <laughs> I'm just no, it's a, I, I'm yeah. just kidding. Of course, dear listener, I, I am kidding. Um, dear listener, it was yeah. it was a humor. It was humor. It was. I, I keep. I keep. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it is jokes, man. I I, yeah. I don't want to open up that can of worms. Well, yeah, but the the development of kind of like what the family unit is is you know I mean post. Uh, oh, actually, I don't. Uh, no, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is true. Like there was polygamy post. Ten Commandments within like the Israel, yeah. right? Yeah. Look at King David or King Solomon. I mean, so which they're not always obviously God doesn't agree with what they're doing, but yeah. I feel like it was definitely a little more like the polygamy aspect of it was a little more acceptable. So the understanding of like what adultery is was also kind of different. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of, yeah, you definitely have to take it within its context, but I, I, okay, Thomas. So Peter's a Mormon op here. He's pushing for polygamy. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. Um, my, my, actually, I don't really have a point uh, fully developed yet. Mike, do you have any thoughts on what, he, on what Thomas just said? Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just harping back, harping back to this whole understanding of like, like well, Thomas is here saying like, well, the definition is actually murder. We're you and I are operating off the premise of that is killing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's fine and uh, that's not a huge issue there in of itself but right. like looking at these other things like you know like tom star bring up fornication and this and all that is like oh hey let's talk about that let's talk about this issue it's like well to be totally honest in any translation it doesn't say fornication right it just says adultery but my whole point is is that are we prepared to say like sola scriptura exactly as it's written or ex- rather exactly as it's translated right are we prepared to say that or are we prepared to say, as it's translated in the context of, of like our, our patrimony, our two thousand years of, of of church fathers and popes and teaching and good priests and good formation? Like, are we prepared to say, let's not look at it in the lens of the saints and their writings and the church and its and her writings, um, and and then the scriptures themselves? Or are we say, nope, we're just like any, anybody else, sola scriptura. It, it doesn't say, it says nothing but killing, at least in my translation. Right. And so, well, we can't kill. At least let's say, well, let's hit our bets. We can't kill intentionally. Like, right. I, I don't so know. I think how, it's, how far no, it's a good point. Go? No, I, I, that's a great point. I think we can't, I, I don't think we can go sola scriptura, but it's a fine line between saying you don't want to go sola scriptura, but then ascending to things that go contrary to moral teachings of the Bible. Um, and that's, uh, that's where you run in. I think it's, that's kind of a tough position to be in and yeah. And not in, right. I'm not saying that the church is running contrary. I think that we just need to make sure we understand how the church is, uh, understanding Christ's teaching and the, and the teaching of the old Testament as well of, how we are to treat each other and it's man it's 
And so I, I, I mean, your point about the difference between intentional killing, self-defense killing, burning heretics, and the crusades are all very different things. You're, you're absolutely right. But I do think that, and I've said this before, and I want to just try and turning the other cheek and the establishment of the early Christian church, it was not a martial society. I think is it was, there was nothing militant about it. It was being sent to the Colosseum and they were allowed really laying down themselves in front of the lions. It was only through like God's grace that it survived because they were basically almost entirely wiped out. Um, so the early church would not have taken up arms against Caesar or, you know, the local, you don't, I mean, yeah, exactly. You don't see some sort of like, like imagine like your kind of average, like roided out, like rad trad kind of right. like, they'd be like, grab your gun. Let's go. Like, you yeah. know, the government that's trying to close down our church, as opposed to, it is an interesting point where we see a difference in the way we'd react to a persecution now, as opposed to, you know, yeah. Like what, you, what was James 18 something or sell your sword and buy a cloak or. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, we went from, you know, and I love the movie. Um, oh my gosh. What's the one about the Cristeros? Um, for greater glory, for greater glory. Great. I thought that was a cool movie about some very holy people. Um, yeah. But the holiest of them was the child who was martyred. Right. Mm -hmm. And um so it, it is an interesting development going from the catacombs and going to the Colosseum and, you know, being okay with that and knowing that you have a reward for you after this world to, well, we're going to, we're going to have Protestant and Catholic princes killing each other's villages because of, you know, who they marry. I don't know. Just like, it's a Can huge enough, though, real quick yeah. like when we're talking about the development of doctrine which i think is a really interesting concept that i really would like to talk with um you know someone who has a better idea of the ethics and stuff but as we kind of get into the like the sexual morality kind of stuff <laughs> that stuff other than polygamy no, no other than polygamy it doesn't really change it's true like there's no yeah. real development of our understanding throughout the middle ages until um, now until now right and so I think that's an interesting point to make that a lot of things like killing about how to enforce morality, like with how to have holy war, things like that, that seems to be a little more circumstantial based off of the situation that like, is the culture Christian? Is the government Christian? Is it secular? Like, what is it? Right. Like those all right. seem to be pertinent questions that get involved with it, but the sexual question, like, is never really been a question, right? It's, yeah. it's been like, should we outlaw prostitution? Yes or no. Monetary America says, yes, we should. And medieval Europe says no, but it still remains that it's a morally evil thing, right? Like, it's not like, a, oh, well, we're, we're think, saying it's good. Um, so I think it's interesting that there are some things that have developed and that there are other things that are just kind of like, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of set, man. It's kind of good, so... I don't know. Um, my my pressing moral question is not anything regarding killing or any of these things. My my pressing moral issue is it is it ever like circumstantially acceptable to laugh at like an almost eighty year old falling off a bike? Because <laughs> I want to know if I can laugh at Joe Biden falling off that bike because it was pretty funny. 
Like it's silly. Like, say, I, I, it's kind of funny. Why is it funny? Because <laughs> he's the president of the United States and he can't get his foot out of a like a pedal strap. <laughs> that sounds that sounds like a serious lack of charity on your part, Thomas. <laughs> He's the most powerful man in the world. I think he can do it. <laughs> I think we can have a laugh at his expense. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's a problem. Okay. I don't think. I mean, now if you, yeah, if you're like, delighting in his injury or your yeah. wish that worse things happen, then yeah, that's yeah. probably not okay. But like, but I don't think. I don't think finding something funny is delighting in the thing. No, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Come on, man. Why do you need a? Well, I'm not saying he can't be funny. I'm saying it is funny. My yeah. question is, why did he need like a pedal strap? It. It's like, what does he think he's doing a tour de France or something? Like he's just going for a casual. Like, what well, was he think he's better than the rest of us? Why do you? I'm need sure it? that's like a, a three thousand dollar bike that we all paid for with our tax dollars. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, man, um, can I read? So this is from JP two. Veritatis Splendor, which is, and it, this is a lot of this is about um, uh, moral theology, um, which is against proportionalism. Uh, yeah, I'd say that um, it is. And I want to read the last two paragraphs, and this is a the last two paragraphs of the whole thing. So, uh, St. John Paul II writes, Mary is the radiant sign and inviting model of the moral life. As St. Ambrose put it, the life of this one person can serve as a model for everyone. And while speaking specifically to virgins, but within a context open to all, he affirmed the first stimulus to to learning is the nobility of the teacher. Who can be more noble than the mother of God? Who can be more glorious than the one chosen by God itself. Mary lived and, and exercised her freedom precisely by giving herself to God and accepting God's gift within herself. Until the time of his birth, she sheltered in her womb the Son of God who became man. She raised him and enabled him to grow, and she accompanied him in that supreme act of freedom, which she, which is the complete sacrifice of his own life. By the gift of herself, Mary entered fully into the plan of God who gives himself to the world by accepting and pondering in her heart events which she did not always understand. She became the model of all those who hear the word of God and keep and keep it and merited the title of seat of wisdom. The wisdom of Jesus Christ himself, the eternal word of God, who perfectly reveals and accomplishes the will of the father. Mary invites everyone to accept this wisdom. To us, she addresses the command she gave to the servants at Cana in Galilee during the marriage feast. Do whatever he tells you. Mary shares our human condition, but she, in complete openness to the grace of God, not having known sin, she is able to have compassion on every kind of weakness. She understands sinful, uh, she understands sinful man and loves him with a mother's love. Precisely for this reason, she is on the side of truth and shares the church's burden in recalling always and to everyone the demands of morality. Nor does she permit sinful man to to be deceived. Nor does she permit sinful man to be deceived by those who claim to love him by justifying his sin, for she knows that the sacrifice of Christ, her Son, would be thus be, would thus be emptied of its power. No absolution offered by beguiling doctrines, even in the areas of philosophy and theology, can make man truly happy 
Only the cross and the glory of the risen Christ can grant us peace to his conscience and the salvation to his life. And that, and then he ends with the prayer to Mary. I really like that idea that Mary is kind of still both morally steadfast, but also completely understanding in the condition yep. of the sinner, like that dual role together, which makes sense, right? Virgin mother, like yeah. ironclad straightforward but also understanding so absolutely and i think it's so fitting for jp2 to point to mary in these tough questions Mm -hmm. and then mary points to christ and she says do whatever he does and i think that doesn't answer the question but if you're in your own life and you're trying to find direction i think going to mary and having mary point you to christ is a great way to find what will bring you happiness and Piece. So true. And I think JP2 really summed it up pretty well there. Nice. All right. Well, I got no more clothes to fold. So I think we could end it. Michael, do you have any final parting words? Final parting words. Um, pray for the Pope. Yeah. yeah. Pray for the Pope for and Father for James Barton because we criticized him. <laughs> pray, yep. for him criticized. Yep. pray for all of them. All right. Cool. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Jess has been great. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.